0: Howard from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the black stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Azle, Texas. Welcome to Primetime Special Edition 150. Tonight we celebrate our milestone as we introduce three special guests, Manuel Casada, Raquel Casada, and Michael Herklauts, for this special occasion. And as always, Primetime Special Edition is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo twentieth anniversary brand is consistently on the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand selected and well aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo twentieth anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sungrown, and a dark oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combine these beautifully bourbon barrel wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos with each blend a balanced complexity layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Scar is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and S- agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed Scar brands include the Perdomo 30th Anniversary line, Perdomo Double H 12 Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary line, Perdomo Albano Bourbon Barrel Age, Perdomo Lot 23, growing So 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at prodomocigars.com. And by Jerry Tobacco, the authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age, of caused Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamistram Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds, and in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic coro back to the market. With over 50 years experience in the tobacco business from growing and curing tobacco to scar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with Authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, who and still bring their very own brand to market, and each contain the Authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available with a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Sumatra. And each represent the Golden Age of Scars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And we want to mention Tobacco RSA, uh, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romy Julia, H. Upman, and Aging Room Scars. Tobacco RSA, great things are happening here. And finally, we want to mention Drew Estate, dark, bold, and unapologetic. Black & Scars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. This is a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distillers Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The old Maduro Black & Scars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, awful tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, espresso that's perfect for life's celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat Retailer. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as the California studios for the Thursday Primetime Show, are sponsored by Drew Estate. Well, welcome everybody. This is Primetime Special Edition 150. Today is Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. This is Will Cooper. I'm in the Podomo Scott Studios here on this Tuesday night on the Black Stage, and I'm joined by my co-host from day one of the show, Mr. Barry Pussy.
1: Coop, happy one hundred fifty, man. 150 happy one hundred fifty.
0: Happy one hundred fifty. You know, and and bear. First of all, you know, we we became friends. You know, as we started doing the show, uh, you you were like not just my friend but my brother. But you know, I'm very proud that we we've, we've really had this streak of we haven't had a revolving door of hosts here. It has been you know for all the shows we've done. The original I and I'm gonna jinx it at some point, right? But we've had the original team in place from like of everything we have done and it's 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 I don't take that for granted, you know.
1: Uh Coop, I completely agree. I think uh I think, you know, if you and I if someone had asked us, you know, after episode one or even episode five or even fifteen said, like, do you see this, do you see you guys do it still doing this at 150? You know what? You know, I think we would have been positive and optimistic about it, but I don't think anyone would have really seen this, especially the show that we have lined up tonight, too, which is which is just fantastic. Um, yeah. And, and this I'm was your you, 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 you kind of brought the concept to me when we were looking for a
0: concept for one fifty. And, you know, we, we come up with concepts and, and you 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 actually spit out the first idea on this and it was a no brainer. We went and socialized the idea at PCA. Scheduling was a little tricky. That was the tricky part was the scheduling, but we got it through. Yeah. Uh, because we had a lot going on and these, these, these folks have a lot going on as well. So bear, I know we did some reminiscing on special edition on your show a week ago, mm-hmm. so we won't rehash that, but we'll have some stuff a little, um, you know, once we finish up with the team here tonight. So, so bear, I'm going to have you do the intro on us. Cause you, you, this, you were the Rick Ross here. You pulled this whole thing together here.
1: Well, it's it's my pleasure uh, to introduce our guests for tonight. Uh, some absolute uh, legends uh, in the business. Uh, one uh, that goes without question. All the other, although the other two would probably argue with me on the title either way. But I would probably win on that. But I'm, it's it's an absolute honor for me to welcome the three individuals for our 150th episode. So without further ado, we would like to welcome Manola Casada, Raquel Casada, and Michael Herklotz. Everyone, welcome back prime time
2: thank you thank you bear it's an honor to be here and thank you for inviting us on such a special occasion
1: no. well thank you again the honor is ours and the pleasure is ours and we're, we're so excited to have the three of you guys and and, and, the, and and it's a really unique opportunity for us to explore something that really probably doesn't get a talked a lot about um inside this in, you know inside this industry even though it's a vital part of this industry uh and so um You know, Coop, I mean, there's a couple of things I know we got to start off with before we kind of dive into the meat and potatoes, but I know we want to get this going. So why don't we kick things off here?
0: Yeah, so right. So I think what we we need to do is we need to decide what we're going to smoke and that's going to go through you first. So Bear, I know you usually uh, have our guests pick uh, what's going to be smoked and then, um, you know, you'll you'll present that and then whoever you smoke, I'll smoke the other brand basically. So, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I've got a couple of choices here. I've got four specifically. And, um, so I would like, this is my first opportunity on a podcast to interview Raquel, although I've had the pleasure at PCA. So Raquel, it would honor me deeply. Oh if my God. You I picked... was going to
3: say, I was just going to say, can I pick your cigar? Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, you will. I, I would love for you to pick my cigar for me. So I have four choices here for you, uh, four that okay, I think you, you'll you like. So, and they're all milestone cigars. So, uh, okay. and, and uh, so I think they're very important. So here we go. So one of my very personal favorites, I have a Quesada 40th anniversary. Okay. I have the Ferio Tego Elegancia 2021.
3: Oh, come on. <laughs>
1: I have the Costa Magna 15th.
3: Oh wow, you're killing me. <laughs> and I
1: have I have the Timeless Limited Edition 10-year anniversary.
3: Oh. Okay, now I regret saying that I wanted to help you out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's like picking, uh, yeah. <laughs> this okay. is not a one
4: cigar evening, right, Bear?
1: Yeah, no, there's th- right. th- at least two are going to be smoked, so it's at fine. Least two. Okay,
3: but... so, can- so I can pick yours, Bear, and then pick Coop's, because then okay. I have two choices on this one.
1: Okay, well, you pick mine. So, yeah.
3: Okay, Bear will will smoke the fair girl the guns yeah?
1: Yes, ma'am.
0: Absolutely. And then
3: Coop will smoke the 15th anniversary.
0: Okay, I don't have the 50 anniversary. I have two other cigars. Okay. Uh, do b- you b- have
3: the the eleganza then?
0: I have the limited the, the timeless 10 years.
3: Oh. and I
0: have the Casa Magna Colorado Robusto, two milestone cigars as well.
3: Okay, so then let's do Coop the 10th anniversary for Michael for the timeless. And then Bear will do the 15th anniversary for Casa Magna. Okay.
1: Oh, okay. So, okay. I'll do the Casa Magna. Is thing. that fair, yeah. enough? That's That's fair Max, enough? Are you are
3: you with me?
4: Raquel, what you say goes, babe. No, no problem. No, this was a win win. Like <laughs> this was Has it always a win-win. been that
3: way? Has it always been that way, Michael?
4: <laughs> <laughs> let's face it. Right. There's always let's it has always been the case that we have always come to mutual agreement and understanding. Always. <laughs> Right. Uh, right. All yeah,
3: Bear,
2: Bear just just so you know, I'm smoking a, a Casa Magna 15. Oh, right wonderful. Now. So wonderful. you and I are going to be uh, uh in sync.
0: Yep. Perfect. I mean, Perfect. you cannot go wrong with any of these cigars by the way. And that's a, that's a that's a I mean, Bear, I think you would agree. It was no yeah, it was like Oh yeah. what, what we was so I, I'm pretty excited. So I got the I got the Timeless 10 years um, I've really been enjoying these a lot, Michael, um, throughout the year. So I, I picked up quite a few of these. So this is a great cigar, and I'm honored to smoke this tonight. Um, you know, I remember, you know, I remember the time when when Michael joined Nat Sherman, and then Timeless got created. But when the the relationship um, with Nat Sherman, right, actually goes back further than Michael. Like Kassada and that Sherman had worked together much, much for much longer than that, correct?
2: Oh yes. Oh yes. When Michael came around, we had been doing business for more than twenty years with the Sherman,
0: right? In the eighties,
3: right?
0: Yeah. And how did how did that relationship okay. come about to begin with when, when you started working with the Shermans? I mean, because I I don't think people I didn't realize it even went back. I knew it went back. I didn't realize it went back to the eighties. So that's that's quite a bit. Yeah.
2: Well we just met and we sort of started talking and, and uh, we made a cigar for them and it, we just went from there. And the relationship lasted uh, till till today, as a matter of fact.
3: But you started with the relationship with Joel, right? Yeah. With the
0: father.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. OK, yeah. What? tell us a little bit yeah. about what what was uh, what were, what was one of, I guess, one of your initial impressions of Joel Sherman.
2: Joe Sherman, a kind, a personable, a very intelligent man and very passionate about the business and his family. A very, a a true gentleman. Uh, I missed Joe. And and that's probably,
4: that's probably the same impression that he leaves today. I mean, he is still the same kind, gentle, warm family oriented loving he's just the whole family really but um just to chime in i mean it's it's the same today as it was 40 years ago when you guys met i'm sure
2: yeah no no joel is joel is is a a true legend and really someone that if you haven't if if you didn't meet joel you missed a great man
0: i have met him i have met i met him once i believe or twice i've met but i have met him yes um,
1: you know everybody. Could.
0: Well, I mean, the namesake cigar of his, the Joel Sherman seventy fifth, is is still you know with that, um, you know with that cigar lies in my heart, there That's one of the great yeah. cigars, yeah, of, of all, all time, of all time. And um, but yeah, so you've had this, You had this long relationship with with them, and um, you know, you were making some of the Metropolitan cigars for them before even, like I said, Michael kind of came on board.
2: Yes, indeed. And when Michael came in, we had known Michael for a number of years as well. When he came into Sherman, we had known Michael for, what, 15, 18 years, Michael?
4: It wouldn't have been quite that long, but it was uh, 10, 12, 2004, just around 2000. around 10, I guess. Yeah.
2: Well, remember, we met huh. you, when you when you were doing... The the kiosk
4: in prudential center, so that would have put it 2000?
3: 2000, 2000.
4: 2000. Remember, wow. Raquel? Yeah, because
3: Raquel, me. Raquel yeah, I went to Gloucester. Boston from ninety seven to two thousand, so I missed Michael for a very very short period of time, well, and I used to work at Gloucester, at Gloucester Street, Street. Cigar. Exactly. I, when I start, when I left Gloucester, Michael came in, and I came to Dominican Republic in two thousand, and that's the year that we. Probably met through
1: David Kitchens. That's awesome. so you. So you guys worked in the same place? At a, well, just not at the same yes! time. Like, oh my gosh, that's so funny! <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay,
0: so oh wow, and for the same guy.
3: Yeah. With yeah, exactly. Okay. With the same boss. Or so Raquel, what, brought, what brought you
0: up to that area? What brought you up to Boston?
3: Well, um, I had finished my studies here in Santiago for undergrad and my father always wanted for me to study abroad and this is a really good story when I used to go to school he always used to say if you go to college in the states I'll have a Corvette at the door in school I never got the Corvette because I never (laughs) left so that was like a dream that he had for me to go to study abroad so when I finished school here undergrad we decided that I was going to go. I always went to a summer school in Boston every uh-huh. single year of my school years. So then I went to Boston for, I supposed to was supposed to stay for one year and I stayed almost for four years. That's how much I loved <laughs> Boston. So then I started working at Gloucester Street just like as a part-time job uh-huh. um, because um, kitchens was, Somebody that my father knew, and Mr. Pasquale, who was the owner at that moment of Gloucester Street Cigar Company. Um, so I, I I got an interview with him, and then I had an interview with David, and I started working um, in while going to school in in Boston. I used what? to go to um, Harvard Extension School at that time, mm-hmm. and then I decided I wanted to stay, and I kept on studying for other. Um, I did an MS at yeah. BU.
0: Oh,
2: nice! <laughs> oh, wow! Well, she didn't. She didn't have a Corvette, event, but she had a job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how how intense was that interview process?
3: Oh my god, it was bad. I was really nervous. I remember because I never worked, you know, abroad. Um, I used to work at the factory, you know, summers and stuff. But it wasn't. It wasn't that serious. Uh, And my mom was a little hysterical about it, of us going to the factory and doing, like, labor and, you know, like, men thing at that time. We were young, um, so she really didn't let us do a lot. So when I went to Boston, I was like, I thought I was just going to go, you know, party and school. So my dad one day calls and says, "Um, you know what, tomorrow you have an interview at 8 a.m. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? (laughs) This is not the plan. So at the end, um, he was very. He, I remember he was very. Um, why? Why do you want to work here? Why do you want to spend your time here? So I don't know. We just like kind of kicked off, and he gave me the job. <laughs> Technically,
0: right.
4: Similar Michael, experience
1: you- for you, Michael, or?
4: Well, it's likely. Uh, I started going there in 1998 and really in 1999, but I didn't work there until after Raquel left. And I'm sure we interacted when we were there, Probably, but she was part-time. I was going to school full-time. I would go on the free Wednesday night tastings because I couldn't afford cigars, but Wednesday night at the end of the cigar boom, there was a free Wednesday night tasting. So I would go to those and try and learn stuff. Um, but my interview, it's funny. I, I did not have an official interview with David. Um, I started working at a shop in the mall and David that. wanted me to work at Gloucester Street. And so he, I was literally walking to class and he rode by on his bike down the middle of Boylston Street and screamed at me, hey kid, if you want a real job, come and see me. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Typical and then, David. <laughs> and then I was thinking about it but then the kiosk that I was working for got sold. And in the course of that 24 hours, I got put in charge of that kiosk and got a raise. And I could still do my homework and the hours weren't crazy. And so I thought I so used to go to I you was. used to go
3: to Berkeley, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to go to work Berkeley, Berkeley and I used to yeah, I used to live like right upstairs. You lived up across Berkeley. the
4: street from. Yeah,
3: um, exactly. From well,
1: from, from my right? mm-hmm. yeah.
3: So that was crazy. We were like so close. And so far,
1: <laughs> such a small world. That's crazy. Yeah.
4: But then ultimately, I worked for David. He left Gloucester Street in 2000 to go to um, Davidoff on Madison Avenue. Mm-hmm. And then I started at Gloucester Street right after he left. But I was coming to New York pretty often and I would see him when I came to town. So then he said, when I moved to New York, um, I would have a job waiting. It didn't quite work out that seamless, but nevertheless, it worked out. Right. <laughs>
0: Nice, nice. I, I did not know that part. That's a I did not know that that link. Very interesting
1: there.
0: Yeah. So, no, that's good. Bear, did you have anything? that I was gonna.
1: Yeah. No. Just yeah. I was gonna talk about the transitions. Like, yeah. Go ahead. Go. Ahead. You go. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I mean, it was perfect. I mean, so like even with these transitions, obviously, Manola, like you, obviously, have had a lot of transitions with this this relationship as it's kind of developed, and it started with you meeting. You know, of course, you know the iconic Joel Sherman and and you guys building that relationship as far back as the eighties. And then, you know, you fast forward to like when Michael comes on board and that's a different transition. And then, and then Nat Sherman gets acquired by Altria. Talk about like what went into that kind of transition. And what was that, was that just as seamless as that handshake agreement that you had with Joel or was there a lot more red tape or was there any difficulties or was it, was it pretty easy as well?
2: It wasn't really all that difficult. Uh, We didn't know about it. We found out uh, on January. What year was it, Michael? January?
4: 2017. January 17th, 2017.
2: But we found out in January. And really, Michael was key in making the transition very, very seamless. It wasn't really a, a hardship tour. From uh, Nat Sherman to Altria. So, no, it was really very, uh, very friendly and very easy. We just business as usual with new owners. That was it.
0: But, but the still, but the still same friendly phrase in Michael, which was great.
2: Well, yeah, Michael was the, the one we knew because in Altria, yep. we didn't know anyone. Yeah. Michael was the liaison between us and Altria, of course.
1: So, Michael, talk about this 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 liaising a little bit. I mean, what uh, what was going on behind the scenes? Um, as you you were you were obviously getting acquainted with this new, you know, this new relationship, this new, you know, this new position, and this new part of the business, and and keeping yeah, I, up a partnership like this.
4: It was clear from the beginning. Obviously, they did not buy the company for the cigar business; they bought it for the cigarette business, and so along with came this diamond in the rough that they really loved and they appreciated how much authenticity it lended and the premiumness it lended to the story of what Nat Sherman is. And if anyone cares about that story, you can watch any number of these interviews so we won't go deep into that. Um, but they, they were humble enough and open enough to recognize what they didn't know and to trust that we were going to be able to continue the work from my perspective, the only thing that changed was really understanding what the parameters were, what we couldn't, couldn't do under this new ownership. Um, You know, that was really much more marketing and, and route to market types of things. But as far as, you know, don't forget, that was also post 2016, when we were living in a world of deeming regulations and, and FDA. So Mm -hmm. as a matter of fact, it also lended um, uh, quite a bit of, of um, resources, both to our business, but also to Casadas, as we started to look on how we were going to navigate potentially warning mm-hmm. labels and some of the other more uh, restrictive covenants of those original deeming mm-hmm. regulations. Um, it gave access to really the industry experts on, on what that looked like. And so while there was certainly some added pressure, I think there was on the other side of that, um, some some comfort and encouragement in in having a clear pathway forward and having a resource that we could go to. Um, but you know, I mean, if, really, if we go back to the transitions, meeting the Casadas in two thousand three or two thousand even, my first trip to Dominican to visit them on vacation was two thousand three. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that's really where we started spending a lot of time together. Then they would come to New York around the holidays, and so we spent quite a bit of time together between 2003 and 2006, seven. And then, as the young ones started um, uh, staking their territory, <laughs> sorry, I need to, leave. I need to laugh. <laughs> uh, you know, they called me, which put me in a very unique position because I was. At that time, close with them, but longer connected to Manolo. And even though we were closer in age, Manolo and I were theoretically closer in relationship. And so that created a whole different transition in and around the the Casada Thirty Fifth era. And then, exactly, you know, the the success of Quesada Thirty Fifth, then Casada Tributo, and then all the projects that came after. Um, by the time the Nat Sherman opportunity came in 2011, we had already worked together so well, not just as friends, but in, in creating products and coming up with new mm-hmm. ideas,
3: that that's really, projects that, that were yeah,
4: relevant. That was the, that was a real sort of, um, almost a, a couple practice rounds before it really mattered when I joined Nat Sherman. But that's also why we were able to get to work so quickly. Um, with the timeless concept and get blends together quickly, Manolo basically personally vouched for me with the Placencia family, another close family in this trifecta. Um, and my first trip to Nicaragua was with Manolo to um, to visit them. So, I mean, you know, there's big transitions, but there's a lot of in between transitions too that have happened. You know, with regular rhythm and cadence of um, development and change.
2: But also uh, we have to point out that on top of all the camaraderie and all the friendship, there was also trust amongst us. We always trusted each other because we knew we had no hidden agendas ever. It was always (laughs) all all above board and everything was based on trust and fidelity to one another.
3: I also think that Michael came to our lives as a brother to me and as a son to my father that he never had. So um, I think he came in in a very um, specific time when he was much needed and he has been a great, great, great help for us and a great part of the family.
4: We, 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 We throw around family a lot in the industry and I don't think it's it's, um, it's not devalued because I think it really is quite genuine that the relationships formed within this industry are indeed unique when you compare other industries or other friendships or relationships. But in this particular case, the term family is way, way more true, I think, than, um, <laughs> than the typical rhetorical way in which we use that. Um, we've we've been there for each other in our highest highs and our lowest lows over the last twenty years.
0: I was gonna say, I you know the few times I've seen you guys down at Pro Cigar, it it, it, it couldn't be more true. Just from me as the observer, uh, I, I've seen that like every time I've seen you guys together at Pro Cigar was it's a white dinner, you know, we'll, the auction. I, I just it, it is absolutely this is this, this is not just. Uh, language being said this is it is for people around them it is absolutely true i can i could tell you that
1: yeah i mean it's it's very apparent to me and i, I know like i know a lot of things kind of get lost in in you know when you talk about like social media and stuff and you think like oh like there's always like a like not everything's not as nice as the pictures and stuff but like i i was really taken i was really taken by i know you guys probably gonna laugh at this but i was really taken by a, a video that michael and raquel did i think it was last year
3: oh my and, god yeah and
1: there was the the the, tor- <laughs> the tortilla challenge was what was good this big oh, TikTok yeah, yeah. <laughs> but y'all did it with tobacco leaves and yeah. and it like for people who are like not interested in this I'll just explain it really briefly. But like basically you take a swig of water, you have a mouthful of water, and the the normal TikTok challenges you slap each other with tortillas. It's real sophisticated shit. But
4: playing playing rock, paper, scissors.
1: Playing rock, paper, scissors, yes. Right. And exactly. yes, you gotta throw that and that but y'all did it with tobacco leaves. And it was like it was perfect just because it was a great play on the it was a great play on the game. But but like in that interaction what I saw and what it was actually believe it or not, it was actually the 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 genesis of today's show and what i wanted to capture because what i really felt through that video and what i really saw was a very brother sister
0: relationship
1: yeah. that was very like I that felt was very real and authentic yeah you know yeah. my you know one of michael's favorite words is authenticity and and mostly because he exudes it with everything that he does and y'all are the same way and and it's very it was very it was just very apparent to me and i was like this like this is a really cool moment. Like I know it's silly, it's funny, and like who cares? But like for me, it was I I felt like I felt the connection with it, and yep. I, I wanted to bring it up tonight. That was the perfect opportunity because I I remember was,
4: saying to Raquel, we were like almost it was almost ready to go to the airport. It was like a crazy day. It was, <laughs> it was like this time last year. It was the last trip to the factory,
1: and uh-huh. I was like
4: something came up on my on my feed, you know, and I saw this tortilla challenge again, and I was like.
3: We I have a crazy this.
4: idea, you tell me and I showed her the video of a tortilla challenge she's like, let's go right now and we did it, one take Nice. <laughs> I think we did oh, tell yeah. Manolo ahead of time so in case he heard rumors that I was beating yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that there would be yeah, know, there when would Michael be yeah. doesn't know
3: that when he comes down next time I have another challenge so be oh, I, I was, in,
2: I was nice. in my office and I, I, I hear that Michael slapping Raquel around in the factory I ran out <laughs> to see this challenge. And I said, okay, <laughs> fine. No problem.
0: <laughs> That's good. That is good.
1: Manolo, yeah. what was it like for you to kind of see, Not like, obviously you have a relation, a great relationship with Michael and, and Raquel talked about your bond with him. What was it like to see them bond in the way that we're kind of talking about right now?
2: Well, it's, it's a very pleasant thing to happen that uh, to have, Michael and Raquel and Patricia, my other daughter, to be really good friends and really treat each other like brother and sisters. Mm
1: -hmm. And that is really
2: uh, a a very, very pleasant uh, feeling to have that because we do business together as well. It's family, but it's also business. So the, the relationship extends into the business and we can talk to each other frankly and all cards on the table, no hidden agendas, no secrets. And that makes for easy projects to come forth, easy for blends to to be made, easy to work together, to throw ideas at each other, to agree and disagree. Uh, And it's part of the fun. And it's fun when you do it with someone you love and someone you trust. Really? it's
4: wonderful. I think it's uh, also worth pointing out that it it takes a pretty special person to be willing enough to share your family. And, you know, Manolo, you've done that since day one, whether it's on the personal side or on the business side, it's, you know, there's a a cycle of honesty and trust and um, a a feeling of um, of who wants to help who and who owes who, there's always this constant, um, I don't even wanna say trading because there's more authentic than that, but it's just, we both have each other's interests in equal prioritization with our own. Their success and my success and that Sherman's success and all that there's a, there's a certain balance to all of it. And there always has been, you know, at the times that we could help them, there were times when they could help us. And many times mm-hmm. it was so reciprocal that both of us always won in the end, but it's just been, it's been such an incredible blessing for all these years and uh, hopefully a hell of a lot more to come. Well, let's hope so.
2: Okay. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm counting I, my years.
3: I also think that my father, I have to give him this because it's not it's not easy, you know, to see your business grow for so many years and then see all these young ones, you know, come in and try to tell you what to do and how things are, are going to be done. Um, it's not an easy task. So I really have to give him that little credit that he has been, you know, it, it, it has been like, um, he has made it easier for us to, to that transition, um, Manolo to be able to participate. No.
4: Manolo <laughs> does say, well, let's see, which is not no, <laughs> it's well, let's see, which means that he's open to see it through right. and to see if he's right or there's, a, there's an alternative. Not that he's wrong, because that doesn't, no, 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 he's not no. wrong. <laughs> it's either he's right, or there could be another viable alternative. And that takes a very special guy um, yeah. to be open enough to explore those other alternatives, particularly from a younger generation. I'm and, saying, you, and you always exactly.
3: have. Yeah. So we have to give him a little check. <laughs> Michael, how is it that he goes?
4: <laughs> <Raquel>, ben <Benica>, please
3: <laughs> uh,
1: so yeah, we, um, have,
3: we have a lot of jokes so, okay
1: all good <laughs> no it's so uh, I mean I I I mean I think the next question kind of has been kind of answered in the last few minutes of dialogue that we've had but like you know you know Michael you talk about a little bit about this. I know we've I know you and I've had this conversation, but I think it's worth noting having everyone here to kind of discuss a little bit more, but you know, when you acquired the the brands from Altria, um and you knew you you needed to restart production and everything, your I mean, the obvious the obvious step was to go to the original manufacturers in this case, your your family, as we just talked about. So talk a little bit about how how again I'm not going to bury the lead here. I mean how easy that conversation was because you've talked Well about
4: there were it. there was a conversation before that which was before we knew we were going to be able to acquire those brands. What was I going to do? And so the original plan was to do a feriotego concept with just these two blends, Elegancia and Generoso, and one size and inhumidors, and just start small
3: mm-hmm.
4: and figure it out. And before I could even posit the idea Manolo and everyone was like look whatever you need from us you know we're there no problem whatever you need like we got it so you just you let us know and we have your back no problem the troubling part and I've talked about this on your show before was despite the incredible generosity of Altria with um, severances for all of the staff um, making sure that inventory was paid for. I mean, they, they really went above and beyond to uh, take care of as many people as they could. There, of course, was no ability for Altria nor responsibility to close the gap for the following year. Um, and so that was production that was just going to vanish from Quesada's factory, Placencia's factory, and the Camacho factory. And um, so part of the, the rationale and the, the enthusiasm behind wanting to acquire those brands is to be able to restore that volume back to those factories who had supported those brands since their inception. I mean, Metropolitan to the early to mid 90s with Quesada and Camacho and then starting with Placencia in, in 2012 that's a lot of planning and a lot of forecasting. And, and so that was just going to disappear and everyone was going to have to eat it. Um, and so the opportunity to be able to acquire the brands was exciting, but also to restore that volume back to the factories. Granted, it was not, we didn't restore 2019 volume, but we restored the potential to get back to those volumes. And fortunately it also happened during a time when volumes in general were elevated um, with the COVID boom that we all experience. So that I think helped close a little gap too. And um, and now here we are, you know, going into our, uh, about to start our third year in market with these brands, which is kind of hard to even believe. But, you know, it, it was it was important to me, not just to continue working with the family that I love so much, but also if it were possible to try and restore the work and the brands and the volume as quickly as possible.
1: Michael, you, I know it's kind of hard to think about this in a vacuum, but you know, if if that had not been possible, like do you think do you think you would have gone a different direction because it just wouldn't have felt right? Um the,
4: the I mean, other direction kind of would have to- been would have been Ferri Otego stand alone and start over. What made this particularly um, advantageous is that although we started over completely with the blends and production and packaging and trying to get everything back, not just the way it was, but more importantly, the best it's ever been, um, we were able to do that using brands and labels and branding that at least had some familiarity for those people for whom it was meaningful. And so I think that certainly gave a great advantage to our ability to prop that up quickly. Certainly distribution with Davidoff also aided in that um, ability to stand that business up quickly. But had we not been able to acquire the intellectual property and the brands and the trademarks um, I certainly would have gotten to work quickly at restoring the blends that we worked so hard to develop and finding ways to tell that story authentically and explaining how they're back now differently. What made this so favorable is that we didn't have to go through those steps of explaining how something is different yet the same. This time we just got to say it's all the same.
1: Manolo, talk about the, what the experience was like. So like again, when you established your relationship with Joel Sherman and, and some of these brands that Michael's talking about, like the process of creating those had kind of long since passed. So when by the time Michael came in, like it was it was a it was a continuation of of a relationship that had already existed. The blends were already the blends. You guys were been manufacturing essentially the same, you know, kind of concept for the whole time. But to get your roll up your sleeves again and work side-by-side side with Michael on these Feriotegos projects that were different than anything you'd ever done before and he'd ever done. Talk about your experience with, the, like, with Michael and what that was like for you. Well,
2: you have to remember that when Michael came to Nat Sherman, there was an increase of brands to be distributed by Nat Sherman. Michael was instrumental in bringing new brands under the uh, Nat Sherman umbrella. When they sold to Altria, those that kept on going the same way. When Altria quit and all those brands fell by the wayside, we had a a huge hole in our making uh, numbers in the factory. So when Michael was going to restart, we told him, listen, if it's only Ferio it's a start. We'll start and we'll see where that takes us. When he he was able to acquire the other brands, that made it a lot easier for the Trent for to to bring back what we had lost where Altria quit because we had a vacuum of about a year and a half. Michael, was it?
4: Yeah, twenty. Yeah, twenty nineteen was the last production. Then we went for sale end of nineteen, and then COVID was wind down. Yeah. So. But the, the other two- thing I would I would just throw in there is. The, the process, you know, it's, I was, I was thinking about this earlier today. It's, if, if you think of this in a musical context for a moment, Manolo and I and Raquel started playing together in 2003. We would play with blends, have a little fun. They let me taste things they were working on like Fonseca Cubano Limitado. And and, uh, you know, all these different blends along the way and purely entertaining this 23 year old gringo. But still, they let me play and sit in. And then we really started performing together um, like one or two shows in 2009, 2008. But then we got a band together in 2011. And that's when we really started writing new music and writing new songs that sounded different than our old stuff. And that was Timeless in 1930 and Sterling and the Joel Sherman and all those blends, but the we epoca. still, the Epoca, but we still mm-hmm. had to play the hits. And so the hits, we learned how to play them together and that's Metropolitan. <laughs> and so while we were learning now how to play it as this band, right? Cause it wasn't, Manolo wasn't playing Metropolitan with Joel Sherman anymore, because now that was my job. So now we were learning how to play these songs together. And while we were doing it, a little polish here, a little polish there. I remember specifically 2012-13 after Timeless, we went back to Metropolitan and just reset levels for that production just to make sure that our eye was on the ball and these songs sounded the best they could. And then we continued to create new things. We did rebrand in 2017. Altria bought, same process. We were constantly rehearsing to make sure that we were still playing our set the best we could play it. And writing a few new songs along the way. Timeless 2019 Limited. Timeless TAA 2019 Limited. So granted. Joel 75. 75. So granted, we had to get off a tour because of COVID, like every other great band. We couldn't really rehearse, we couldn't play. We just sat in our houses and Zoomed and smoked cigars together and said, man, we can't wait to get back on the road. When we bought the brands, it was basically going back on the road and getting back into rehearsal. The only challenge was for the first year of that work, we couldn't see each other because I couldn't fly to Dominican. So we were sending blends back and forth, we were tasting via FedEx and Zoom, but this is where the relationship is so important. Because after so many years of playing together, tasting those blends, Manolo and Raquel and the other people there, they don't just taste them with their palates, they're tasting it with my palate. Like they know what I like. And so even even though it may not be exactly what they love, they know the way the song has to sound. And so that mm-hmm. work together made it possible to do it so quickly during COVID. And then I flew down that February, I think of 21
3: one mm-hmm.
4: and then it was like, all right, let's you know now we had all the bass blends ready. And we were just down to sort of final samples at that point, tweaking uh, like Metropolitan, for example. We, we had a very specific discussion about, do we replicate, replicate the old version or do we increase the levels just a touch to give it some new life? Like going back into the studio and recording that album again, instead of just reissuing the album. And so when you taste Metropolitan today, it tastes the same, but when you feel Metropolitan today, there's a touch of body that wasn't there before because we tweaked the levels without changing flavors. But we've been playing together mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. long that it just made it made that Makes process not necessarily easier, but it it made it um, more efficient.
3: Smoother.
4: And honestly, after whatever 18 months of not doing it together it was a ton of fun I mean we had a ball going back and forth you know it was great
2: awesome. yeah, you also have to remember Michael that we weren't just blending for your taste or our taste we were blending for together for a market taste yeah because the epoca and the sterling were not in anybody's profile these were new, compositions that came about because the band knew each other. They knew how they played and we could come and put together new projects that didn't have to actually satisfy either you or us.
4: Right. Although no. I like it a lot. So
1: All these music metaphors, Michael, no one would ever guess you're, the, you're a Uh-oh. musician. So, um, <laughs> uh, but so I, I want to I talk about this a little bit because Michael brings up a good point. So like Raquel, he said that you and your father know his palate. It's not your palate, but it's his palate. So, talk a little bit about that challenge. And, and, and your dad also alluded to it as well, like talking about the market's palate. Like this may not be something that necessarily is, I don't want to say enjoyable because I know you guys enjoy your job, but. It, it it's it's not the cigar that you would choose for your personal like your daily go to like talk about the the challenge of working together well, and planning for someone else's palate.
3: Uh, Michael is a very determined person, <laughs> so he <laughs> That's we know our Michael. differences. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, I'm a little. I could be his older older sister, older older sister, so. <laughs> We had our differences, you know, um, brothers and sister differences. Um, but as as he said, um, as I said, he's very determined and he, he used to go to every single corner of the factory and see every single tobacco that there was, even hidden in places that no one would know, and taste everything. So he really developed a very um, great palette that. Um, that, that we developed together by working together. So for so many years um, and um, I don't know, I think that we, as my father said, like everybody has their own palettes and it's, it's difficult at times and we have our own differences, but we always used to come to, to one um, agreement uh, on what the market and we all agreed that we wanted to come up with. Um, As Michael said, like the Metropolitan, when I started working in 2000, was a very mild cigar. Um, And together, we brought it up to even though it resembles to the 80s, it's a little different with a little bit more taste to it. So in every single blend that we developed through the years, we worked really hard together. And as I said, Michael came to the Dominican Republic. He was telling us at the beginning of the call, like so many... I was even going to ask you, like, how many trips to Dominican Republic have you made? <laughs> That's like a number that we don't even know. i actually trying
4: to look and do the math, but it. I was it thinking has,
3: about it today.
4: Yeah, it, it has to be over a hundred visits.
3: I mean, even with um, the Casada 35th uh, bear that we didn't have, we haven't talked about it. It was something that Michael was very, very, very important on this blend that we decided to come to. Um, how do you say that, like to tell my, to, um, to not commemorate, but to um, celebrate, uh-huh, to celebrate um, the 35th anniversary with a cigar that my father didn't even know that existed because he never wanted to put the brand, um last name on a brand because it was his last name and it was a very big responsibility um, that he never wanted to, you know, get into it. So with Mike, with the help of Michael, and with I mean, do you remember the, that day that we like smoked? I, I think it was three like, of us I vomited, know how many... First of
4: all, we we smoked the the, the 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 challenge. So we were in where the factory is now, but at the time that was no. just a a, a warehouse. Where the
3: lounges that we were, we were sitting there exactly. with the lounges,
4: and there was a bathroom and a table and some mm-hmm. shitty roller's chairs, and that was it. And I showed up on a Saturday, Manolo didn't know I was there, which that was another thing. They told me I had to come that down. That was like I
3: another thought, thing, imagine. I thought
4: Manolo was dead. Like I hiding like, Michael. What? what is wrong? Yeah, so I got picked up and we worked on this and the whole idea was to taste, create a flavor that had never come out of the factory before. Like that was our task to go do.
3: With, the, with tobaccos that we had never used before too. Right. For that matter, at that time. Which included,
4: um, so at the we, end- we pulled we pulled stuff that had just come in from the barns that hadn't even been fermented yet, just to be able to taste something that hadn't been processed like Quesada or like Matasa at the time. Unfortunately, when time. you taste tobaccos that have not been processed, uh, your body processes them instead, and we processed them into the toilet bowl. But it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So at the end we came up with a cigar that my father didn't even know that we were gonna we were gonna come and then we made this really big event at the Madison um store, right? Yeah,
2: yeah or was it the yeah. um, at the, the Madison, Madison store, no, it, exactly? It was it was at the Madison store.
3: Uh-huh, exactly. The, the old and store,
2: yeah.
3: Yeah, so it was the 35th anniversary for the first quesada cigar that came out into the market. And we did a really nice event, and my father didn't even know. Um And it was something very, very uh, touching for him and for us because it was the young ones coming in with a new blend, with something that we had never. And then at the end, remember, we sold those boxes at the PCA on the first day.
0: Was that your first box press cigar to come out of that factory? Yes. Okay. I thought so.
3: Yes. Hang on. Yes, yes, yes. um,
4: Vegas de Fonseca had a soft box press.
2: But that yeah, but that was a box press, not a trunk press.
4: Oh sorry, yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah, like with the whole with the whole process with the with the presses and everything. I think we remember like we messed a few and we kind of like created our own how we're gonna press those things, those cigars, it was it was crazy.
4: (laughs) Paid off. Yeah, no.
3: It did. Ticket to
0: <laughs> that that you know the, I'm, f- I'm the feeling, middle of
3: the bus I'm, not the front but the middle I'm feeling of the bus. my
0: age I'm feeling my age because that was like right when I was getting started with what I do was when that cigar came out yeah I'm, I'm feeling it yeah
4: well then how do you think we feel bro
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't talk about that please I'm your younger sister
0: now <laughs> right right
1: <laughs> I mean I it I'll, has been a journey and go ahead Cooper are you going to say something I'll just say I'm
0: this I'm, I'm the old well Okay, I, uh, yeah, Manolo's obviously. I'm the second no, oldest.
1: Manola.
0: <laughs> I'm the second oldest here. So <laughs> I'm the old man. I'm one of the old men here. Right Bear.
1: I just celebrated my 40th birthday last month, so I'm I'm officially oh, old. Happy birthday. That's a great
3: That's a great age, let me tell you. That was my best one. One of my best ones.
1: Fantastic. I'm one month into it, so I'm looking forward to the next ten, the next eleven months of, of greatness. Then that'll that be fantastic. Any, oh, a week from today uh, I'll be fifty six. Let me know. Yeah. I turn fifty six a week oh, from today. <laughs> so, wow.
3: Yeah. Well, welcome. Happy birthday. <laughs>
0: Thank you.
1: So, uh, well this is this is how long Coop and I have been doing it. We celebrated his fiftieth on the year. On the air. So yeah. Yeah wow yeah that's great yeah so milestones all around exactly you you guys were talking a little bit about this now obviously this has been a very successful partnership but and, and i'm not interested in naming names about like what when it hasn't been but i thought i'd be curious and a little bit educational what are some of the sacrifices and pitfalls of when partnerships don't go well and again i'm not interested in naming names about when which partners were bad or, or anything like that. I'm just, I'm curious as to like, obviously this has been a very, very beneficial <clears throat> partnership from beginning to end, starting in the 80s and then now with Michael and Ferri And Michael, I know you can add to this too, because I know you've been a part of partnerships as well, perhaps, or seen partnerships from the retail sphere where they didn't go well. I'm just, from an, from an educational standpoint, what are some of the pitfalls that, that, that can happen in a partnership when things don't go like we're looking at tonight?
2: Well I feel in tobacco bear important. in tobacco you have to respect certain things that are in you cannot violate. And sometimes in partnerships, some people people don't understand all the processes that need to be taken care of because time and money come into play. And meeting all the protocols that are needed takes time and money. And some partners sometimes don't appreciate or don't understand why we need so much time and money to come with a finished product of a certain level of quality. And this creates problems in partnerships, particularly in in the cigar world. Patience is key, right? Well, yes. And patience again, patient costs money and it takes time and sometimes these people uh some people just don't understand that cigars need certain things to be taken care of and the sacrifices have to be made
4: i think the inability to understand that and to be empathetic to that reality is generally seen in those relationships that are transactional first. And that kind of goes back to where we opened with this idea of family being family. And that gets used a lot. I've heard that used a lot until it's not. And that tends to be because these transactional relationships fall apart because someone wanted something faster. Someone wanted something cheaper. Someone wanted something else. Someone wanted a, a, a new, bright, shiny thing that's getting more attention. So they just abandon one relationship to try and latch on to something else, um, you know. I I feel awfully fortunate that I've never had to deal with those things because the people that we generally partner with are people who we were friends first, and so there was already a level of trust. And and going from a friendship into a transactional relationship, um, I think there's there's generally that. Reciprocal admiration and respect going into it, and so you tend to drive your business with that friendship and reciprocity and um camaraderie sort of in, in the back of your mind the whole time. Or at least well, also, you should,
2: Michael. Lack of humility sometimes becomes an issue, uh, it, sometimes partners are not humble enough to understand that the knowledge it come comes from elsewhere not from them and if they're not humble enough to realize that that creates problems. If they have all the answers and whatever advice you give is not taken into account that creates problems and in our world as you well know, uh, knowledge, we don't have all the knowledge uh, we're still learning. I'll be 50 years in the business by uh, June of next year and I'm still learning. And every day I, I, I realize that I, I, I have so much more to learn that I need to learn. but every, every once in a while I can give a, I can give advice and in the hopes that my advice will be taken into account.
4: And every sometimes... true expert that i know in any field but especially this one would never identify as an expert they would oh. just they would just identify yeah. as been around longer than others but mm-hmm. everyone i know who knows so, the most would tell you that they have way more to learn than they know and so when those people come around who self identify as an expert, it's quite clear that that's an impossibility.
1: I I, I second that, Michael, for sure. Go yeah. ahead, please, Manola, please, go ahead. Yeah.
2: No, no, I, I was just gonna reiterate the fact that even though we've been around for a long time and we're still learning, mm-hmm. sometimes the people that, that come into the business think business instead of tobacco and and this is a a a concept that has to be married otherwise if you look at it just with uh, sharp pencils and numbers it doesn't work
1: that way i i i completely agree with this and 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 it it kind of goes michael you, you kind of took the words out of my mouth a little bit because it i I wanted to kind of get yours and Raquel's take on this. I don't want to embarrass Manolo, but, and I've told this story enough times, and I know the audience is exhausted with it, but one of my, my all-time favorite memories uh, in this business always goes back to the first time that I met Manolo and he was at a cigar event. I was nobody at the time. I'm still nobody, but like I really was just a kid who would hop into a humidor every once in a while and pick up a cigar. And, you know, he was doing an event and I was introduced to him and, and he, he made me feel it was just an un, un, uncanny and un- amazing ability. He made me feel like he flew all the way from the Dominican Republic to just meet me, see you. and mm-hmm. and it was it was the most probably one of the most unique experiences I've ever had of meeting an individual, and um, certainly of, of one of such accomplishment, which again he wouldn't admit to. And I don't mean to embarrass you, Manolo. but you know we were talking about the humility. He was talking about humility. And Raquel, I'm sure you've seen this and, you know, the patients that he was talking about, and I'm sure you've seen some of these, these opportunities that are wasted and they don't, that where they haven't understood your father, the way that you do and the way that Michael does. Um, Mm -hmm. Talk about how challenging that's been for you to obviously observe that and also be a part of it because you are a part of the business too, obviously. So it's probably frustrating for you too.
3: Well, I, you know, I was a little, a little while ago that, um, throughout the years that I've been working in the factory and we've have had so many you know, people come in and out and partners and everything, it's really important to have a partner or a person that comes to make cigars for us in my point of view, because we make cigars as manufacturers, is that they have to have like the same ideals that you have. I mean, the humbleness, the honesty. Um, you know, wanting to have cigars as consistent and as quality, you know, those, as Michael was saying, sometimes people just want their cigars tomorrow and it's impossible. We need to make them, you know, fermented aged and people, some people don't understand that. And if you don't understand that, well, I'm sorry. It's, I'm not the one here. <coughs> for you. you can move on and, and we can move on. So at the end, we really have to be careful because all those things matter a lot in order to have a really good outcome. So, um, for I mean, for me, in 23 years that I've been working in the factory, it hasn't been that difficult because we have our standards very, very... I mean, I learned as from my father uh, that there are things that you don't... Um, you don't... How do you say that? You don't...
4: You don't sacrifice.
3: Yeah, you don't sacrifice. And... Those things I learned from the very beginning and they're not, we, we don't, we're not going to discuss about it. I mean, this is my path and I'm not going either way because this is how I learn. This is what I believe it should be done because it has been done that way for so many years and it has been done the right way.
4: And if you look at the, the the scale and the, the cyclopedia of all the blends and projects that you all have made. What I think is so admirable is that even if an owner is willing to sacrifice a standard just to try and make more faster, you as the manufacturing partner, aren't willing to do that for them. I mean, that's a, You know, lots of people need to make more money today than they made yesterday. And the Mm. easiest way to do that is to make more cigars faster. And the fact that the Casada family holds so firm that they're unwilling to do it, not just because it goes against what you believe in, but equally important, the reputational harm it would cause not just for your own products, but any other product that comes out of your factory where you would Mm. have that sort of, Domino effect of reputational harm. Yes. It's it's also the reason one of the reasons why it makes so much sense to remain working together. You know, and take the family mm-hmm. side out of it.
3: Out of it's it. Mm-hmm. it's
4: just when when they are preserving the same standards you have day in and day out. When they're making your blend month after month, you have to trust that they're going to do it with relentless commitment to consistency and excellence when, you know, whether you're there or not. And that's the contract.
2: At the height of the boom, I was called to New York for a meeting with a, an importer of one of the cigars we made. And we're gonna call the cigar, whatchamacallit, just to have a name. And they they told me we need more whatchamacallits. And I said, my answer was, if you want cigars, tomorrow I will send you as many cigars as you want. If you want your watching McCulloch, I tell you when they're ready, and then I'll ship them to you. And I stood up and walked out of the meeting. Ooh. That it, It's just, you can't do that. And at the height of the boom, people wanted cigars regardless. But we couldn't sacrifice. We will not sacrifice for a couple of extra dollars. Because our names are involved. It's our name on the cigars. It's our name on the factory. It's our name. The responsibility (laughs) is ours. Mm -hmm. So we have to maintain that. And we will. We have and we will. And Michael knows this because he's been around us for quite a long time. And he shares the same purposes that we share when it comes to cigars, being made and cigars being shipped and cigars being sold. Yeah,
0: I, I I'm sitting here, you know, and I'm, we're listening to this conversation tonight. And it's amazing, you know. There's a you know, a lot of factories have relationships with clients that come in and and have cigars made at. Um, here we're we're talking about a situation where this is a decades and decades long relationship, and it, it you know it has. It, this is more of an observation than a question. It has so much more than just the, the concept of a contract brand. To me, you know, I'm, I'm hearing this, and there's, there's true partnership, there's true synergy, and I, I just, I'm just just blown away as I'm hearing this. This is not a question. I'm, I'm just blown away, and now I see how why there's been such success with this relationship for as long as it has been. It's an amazing thing. I, I just had to say that. So that wasn't so much a question as, a, as an observation as I'm listening to this tonight. Well, thank you, Will it's an accurate 100. one it, it really yeah i mean and and look we've we've seen how many factory client relationships have we seen come and go over the years a brand that's comes what I was in getting it,
1: at. yeah that's what i was getting at yeah this
0: is go ahead barry you take it from there because yeah
1: yeah no 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 finish your thought that's where i was just, that's where i was kind of going with this is that like you know like i said i wasn't interested in names because i'm i i don't i just don't think it's pertinent to the conversation right. i think it's where there this is an example of where it where it can go, it can go extremely right. And, in, you know, I, I was, I was part of this uh, um, conversation earlier today where it, it, and I'm not trying to get into politics. I don't want to segue into that, but it was, you know, where does idealism fall into the world of politics? It doesn't necessarily have a place, you know, but and business can also be equated to that too. Yeah. Where does idealism lie in business? Where does idealism lie in business? And I thought about it in a kind of relation to tonight, and i was like idealism can't exist because this is an ideal situation where business becomes family and it becomes a it becomes a, 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 a not to get too disney on it but it can become the circle of life a little bit and 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 it it can both sides can benefit and in in a, in, a, in a wonderful and beautiful way yeah. and and it can still it can still breed you know amazing business results but it can be done in with family. And that's, yep. I think the cigar world is, is very unique in that. Um, you hear so many stories about, you know, f- families going at war for each other for over, over yeah. a restaurant or a store yeah. or a shop. You don't hear that necessarily in the cigar business. I mean, there, there are the battles that are challenges and there, there's some ugly splits and stuff, but family is something that really holds this industry together, whether it's biological or, or adopted in other cases. So <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <it's>, With papers. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I was counting the relationships that have gone 20 years in this industry. And that's a few. Then when you get into the lanes, it is less than one hand. You're counting that on. And, um, so that's, it's just, that's a Testament. And Michael, I know you, you weren't there from the beginning, but you've been there a long time. And, oh, yes. um, you, you're the steward of these, the, the fairy taker brand, you're the steward of them. now. They, they're your brands. Um, and I, I always felt like all the partners you brought in, Mike, um, they kind of understood the vision. Like, when we go back to the old, you know, the time with the Metropolitans, the brands were kind of the vibe of New York, so to speak. I always kind of looked at them as the vibe of New York. And, you know, obviously you found the right partners to deliver that vision with this. It wasn't just a marketing thing. You, you found the right partners who, who can convey that vision. And I think that, that's what's really special about what you brought to the table here.
4: But the other thing is, with the exception of one partner – two partners, um, that i found every other meaningful relationship I have is because of Manolo. I mean, the only ones that were unique to me, um, was my relationship with Davidoff because I had it first. Yep. Um, yes. and we work closely with Humidif group doing some manufacturing on the humidors for Feriotego. Mm-hmm. But if you look at every other partner, Placencia that was through Manolo cigar mm-hmm. rings. That was through Manolo Pro cigar through Manolo. I mean, I can go on and on and on, but but like breeds like, and great people do great things together. And when great people introduce other people, it's great people. It's an endorsement yeah. that um, kind of sets the way you're you're going to do business moving forward.
3: I think it's been yes, a great right, journey.
2: but we have to be very careful of who you recommend. Well I, had, I I had you pegged from the beginning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you mentioned Pro Cigar. And for folks who haven't been the Pro Cigar and you haven't seen michael and manolo at the auction it it is i'm telling you it it, i saw it unbelievable i gotta ask how did that whole relationship come where michael became the auctioneer and i don't know you know you have a big part in the startup process but i'm kind of curious how that all started because to me did you do
3: it yourself the night of
0: the auction when i saw it
2: you have to you have to remember that michael raised a lot of money for his high school in connecticut by doing mm-hmm. auctions on his birthday
3: mm-hmm. in
2: cigar shops in New York. Yes. And oh, I, I, of, you know. I I attended several of those auctions that I knew we did. How, my, how Michael worked and how he could handle an audience and get him enthused into buying. And I had been doing the the, the auction for Pro Cigar gosh in the beginning and I suggested one year, why don't we ask uh, Michael to help uh, in the auction. And that was the end of that. Michael now is the auctioneer and the rest is a-
3: history.
4: But well, we also that. if, if you think success. of if you think of the scale of Pro Cigar too, so I always <laughs> we always did the auction as a team, but Manolo was the auctioneer on the stage and I was on the ground running, spotting spotting, yeah. And and trying to kick people up. And I was the, I was the hype man, you know, for, for that auction for many years. Um, but the, the auction also got significantly larger. A lot more people were coming. And um, so we also had to solve for how to create the, the same energy and, and back and forth that was happening between Manolo on the stage and me on the ground where he would about, he would yell sold just as I was saying, wait, 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 stop. You know, we have another one. Um, Or double. yeah, Right. Or, or, I mean, we were playing all kinds of tricks back then. So. um,
3: (laughs) Well, you got him to shave his mustache in the middle of the stage for $15,000. Are you kidding me?
4: Oh,
0: that was a good one too. Don't
4: get, I, it,
1: don't, don't get any, I, don't get any ideas,
4: Coop. It's Dominican
0: not happening. I tr- we tried what you, Barry. We're not going to go there. Yeah. You. <laughs> you you know, the one thing, so me as a media guy being down there, my job is to observe, report, kind of. And when I was observing a lot of the auction and before the auction, there was an incredible amount. This is not only do you guys do a great job at the auction, the preparation that you guys put in to understanding what's being auctioned off and who's auctioning it is off. Was, was absolutely second to none. I, I I mean it was that that's a I could see how you guys were preparing for that. This was not just you guys were handed a sheet a few minutes before there's a lot of prep you guys put into this. Uh, and I want people to, to understand that. And I know I'm not wrong on that.
4: It's also worth really highlighting the the pro cigar team does all of that work from curating the lots and yep. putting them together and writing the descriptions and doing all that stuff. Um, they do obviously the huge bulk of that work Manolo and I sit down with the sheets and the lots and the details and then figure out if we're missing any detail and then in the dinner or in the dinners leading up to the auction we make sure that we nail down any detail we make sure if there's a question about something we get that and then we fire off and yeah. something very
3: important and something very important is that you give every single manufacturer a very special place with their item yeah so you know it's very very from deep down inside you give everybody their own special moment to shine in and, that and stage. we also we don't give up no, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the other thing, you know.
4: Some <laughs> some lots start slower than others, yeah. But you know, that's not time <laughs> to move on. You know, I I remember we had one specific meeting one year where um, a few people complained that the auction was too long, mm-hmm. and Manolo and I, who we we from the be- from the first Pro Cigar Festival in what two thousand eight. 2006?
2: Yeah, somewhere's in there, yeah.
4: I was at Columbus Circle. Maybe it was 2006. From the first one, the thing that we were jazzed about two things. Obviously, bringing consumers down in this fashion to see everyone and to really elevate the Dominican Republic was something I was passionate about as a, as a kid and certainly yes. Manolo. So we were excited to finally this was going to happen. But the other thing truly was the ability to raise money for these causes. It does not I'm take a lot of money to help
1: yep. these
4: two most in need groups, the youngest and the oldest of that mm-hmm. community. And so for us, it was, it was really, um, it was a crusade to figure out how to raise the most money to help in this, in these two groups. And so when that conversation came up of, you know, well, maybe this is taking too long, Manol and I were like, well, what are we doing this for? Right. So let's get bigger lots. Let's get smaller things for fun. Let's be more prepared and let's plow through this thing as quickly and efficiently, but forcefully (laughs) as possible. And I mean, I think you know we got done last year in record time,
0: and yeah. we yes. raised
4: record money. Money,
0: yep. Yep. yep, 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 yep. And and you get Michael and all You have a gift when you see something slowing down. You, you just know how to like man- maneuver that, you know, those bids. I mean, it was just, and I've seen a lot of auctions. I it, this was, I'm telling you, this was as yep. execute well executed anything I ever saw. And like you said, in the end, you're doing the job is to, to raise money for these charities. And for folks who aren't familiar with the Pro Cigar auction, you know, Pro Cigar is put on by the Dominican manufacturers. And each of the manufacturers donate a very special item, and they're auctioned off, and the, and the proceeds go to charity. And uh, it's, it's that simple, but it's not that simple either. So um, it's just when I – this was the first year I got to stay for the auction, and I know I will never miss that again. I will never miss well, that again. I can tell you that right now.
3: The just take into consideration do. that. Uh, sorry, just take into consideration that these two are very creative. So don't wear your favorite hat or your mustache because they'll be auctioned.
0: We're selling. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you <laughs> for a lot of money. Yeah.
0: yeah, we 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 yeah. Bear's beard's not available though. I've been I've been already. No told ba-
3: bear, it. don't <laughs> come <calm> down. Don't <laughs> come down because you'll be.
0: Hey, <laughs> you can have. It.
3: It.
0: you can? You have were mentioning it. that there's okay. a lot
3: of
2: work. <laughs> there's a lot of work involved. And every lot has five paragraphs describing in the pamphlet that has been given out. If we sit there and read these five paragraphs for each lot, we'll never finish. So Michael and I have to start looking for highlights and synthesize those five paragraphs into a neat introduction to give that lot, that manufacturer, a special place in the auction at that particular moment. It takes a lot of work. Oh, and a lot, I, I, and a lot of nerves,
0: a lot of enthusiasm. I, I, you know, the media we get some of those. You know, the background info on those things, and that's why I was I'm blown away because I know it's 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 there's a lot of detail in there, and it's like you were familiar. I mean, to, to to kind of get the right level of detail in front of your audience, and you feel you know I don't feel like you guys miss anything. It was it was it was it was amazing to see it. I mean, I just I just couldn't get over it. I mean, I, I know I was messaging Bear and the it's team that night. Uh, I'm saying you got to see what I'm seeing here. Yeah.
4: We're also the most affordable auctioneers in Dominican
0: Republic, so that's,
4: <laughs> for that's charity.
0: Part of it. <laughs> yeah. and I know Michael. Uh, yeah, you, yeah. you know, I know sometimes Michael, you've had some conflicts with it. You've been asked to do other things, and your thing is this is absolutely you know th- this is always taken priority with you. I, mean, I can honestly say that. I know that firsthand.
4: The idea of missing it is soul crushing.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. The uh, it, it it's it's an amazing thing. Uh, I look forward to it this year for sure. Um, and m- many more. So, I mean, it's uh thank you guys for doing that because, uh, it, it definitely, I could tell you anyone goes to pro, that is the app, one of the absolute highlights to see that. Well, thank you, Will. Yeah, that, yeah. That's encouraging. Yeah, no, it was really good. Perry, I didn't mean to derail you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to swing yeah, it back no, to you no. right now. I know I kind of, I want to make sure we got that part in. No, it,
1: no, no. Pro, Pro cigar is absolutely something I wanted to touch on because I know it's, in, I know it's important to everybody yeah. on this panel. So, yeah, um, you know, I, I kind of wanted to, you know, I I know we have just a little bit of limited more time with you guys. And so I, I, I do want to just touch on a couple of other things, you know, what, um, you know, You know, we talked to, I I, I introduced you guys tonight as as, as kind of legends in the business. And I know Michael will probably take exception to that along with Raquel and probably Manola as well. But you guys all are. And I think this (laughs) partnership kind of goes down, Um, you know, again, we we talked about the length of time that's been involved with it. Um, But where, you know, Manola, specifically from you, I guess, where does this partnership rank in the legacy of, for you, and all the ones that you've been a part of for over the decades that you've been in this business and have, have, have done. Well, it's a
2: very it's a very special one. First, because of the, the people that have been involved, the Shermans at the beginning and Michael in the middle. Uh, it, it really has been a special relationship in, in my 50 years. I would say that it's been a highlight uh, of my work in the factory, uh, ha- having the opportunity to work with the Sherman and with Michael, because of the synergy, but also because of the the feel that we have for each other, that we have common goals, we understand the processes, we listen to each other, we work Perfect. together, we bring things to we bring things to to, to an end, and yeah we may disagree on blends and we may disagree on, uh, on, uh, dots and, and, and uh, t- uh, crossing T's on, on a label, but in the end, we're looking to have something that will work for everyone, us as manufacturers and Michael as a distributor and, and seller of his brands. So I would say that it has been a very deep and a very rewarding relationship. Uh, frankly, the only one that we've had at that level in the factory over my time. I was going to say,
3: it's been the yeah. longest one ever since, because people well, come and go, and but this has been the longest one and the most steady one.
1: Yeah, and on and that he, note, Raquel, like, have, have you guys... And your favorite. I'm just
3: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you don't uh, have to
1: talk uh, about that. On that note, <laughs> on that note, Raquel, the I mean we've talked about the importance of the partnership tonight and that's been the center of our discussion like have you looked at other partnerships hoping to bear the fruit that this one has is that something that you guys are actively looking for or is it just hey whatever comes our way like how no, do you no, guys no, approach no. this i
3: don't think i don't think we've we've been working on that i think we, we we're focusing on what we have right now doing the best we can for, with what we have um, as we have said, it's been a lot it's been a, an amazing journey. Um, and I know and I feel that it's going to keep on going that same way as it has been um, ever since. So I think we're focusing on um, us as a private as our brand, um, Casada cigars, Casamagna, and all uh, the Casada brands, and also with Ferio Tego, with the Timeless, and um, elegancias and all the products that we have making the metropolitans and everything that we have been making um ever since so for many more years
0: no we appreciate it Raquel I know you're under some time constraints so you know Yes. Um, if well, you do need, uh, yeah, well, wanna, I'm a little bit under
3: the weather.
0: I know you're under the weather. You did this under the weather, and I want to give you the out before <laughs> you know you went above and beyond for us. Yes, we, so thank you so much. We always, really appreciate always. this. You always need to get, always take care of yourself first. You don't need you know, to thank me. Yeah, you're you're welcome here anytime you know that. So I just thank wanted to you. let you know. Yeah. Love you. See you next week. We do. Thank you, Love Raquel. You. Yes. I'll see you, I'll see you in February. I have
3: challenges for you, Michael, so be prepared. I'll tell Bring you it, all babe. about it, Coupon Bear. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. That's
1: great. Can't wait. All right. Thank Raquel, you so thank much for Raquel.
3: everything and good night. Thank
1: you so much. Thank you very much,
0: Raquel. We appreciate it. Thank you. OK. Bye, boo. Take
1: Bye, care. boo. Take. So, Michael, that led me kind of into just the next question I was going to ask you, too. Like, um, I, I know it, it'd be impossible to replicate what you've created with the Quesada family. But I mean, is that something that Ferio Tatego you see in the future? Ferio, Ferio Tego is, is, additional partnerships. Like uh, hopefully that would bear the fruit like this one has.
4: I don't think you can ask the question fairly that way because you, you can't add time and, mm-hmm. and experience to a relationship. It just can't be done. And, you know, I look back my, My best man, Steve, uh, my oldest friend, Ryan, godfather of my children, Manolo's met both of them. I have lots of friends today, guys that I spend way more time with on a regular basis. But if you were to ask me if I was getting married today, who my best man would be and who the godfather of my children would be. It's still Steven Ryan. Because you can't you can't make up that time and those experiences. You know, it's always compounded. This is a relationship that started as organically as one can. It it you know, I, I said this the other day. I don't know why. Manolo was gracious enough and generous enough to let me come down and sabotage a week every February way before pro cigar to just sit around and waste time smoking blends and walking around the factory and eating free lunch. But I am, (laughs) I am so grateful that he did. And there's no way to put the genie back in the bottle and restart it's it's just not the same thing. And so if I look at my relationship with Placencia, for example, it's a very close relationship. It is mutually beneficial. We advocate for each other's success, but it's half less than half of the time spent with Manolo. And and so you know, from, from a business standpoint. Of course, I'm open to creating and establishing new, meaningful relationships, but I would never contemplate the idea that somehow it could be measured against one that is so so special over such a long period of time with, like I said before, our highest highs and our lowest lows that we have been there for each other. There's just no way... there would be no way to establish such a relationship again
3: mm-hmm.
1: that makes sense that
0: yeah, makes a lot of sense like I said uh definitely um it, it, like I said this is just tr- one of the true great partnerships and and I've learned a lot tonight just on 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 the things that you guys have have done and the connections over the years were much deeper than even I knew they were deep but I was just I was more surprised as far as as that goes
1: indeed. I did have one fun question before I, I know that you guys are also, also under time constraints, but I did have one fun question, Manola, that I wanted to ask you. It's a little, it's a little unfair to know Raquel's departed, but I thought it, I think it's still warranted, warrants a little, uh, a little ass. So I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you anyway, Manola. So what's a, wh- what is a quality that Raquel possesses that you wish Mike had and vice versa? <laughs> well,
2: I I I always hope that Michael Michael would be as good looking as Raquel. <laughs> <laughs> and I always hope that Raquel will have the patience and the commitment that Michael has. But they are two they are they are two different people that bring different things to the table. Mm-hmm. And what they bring is necessary and it's also fun because when we sit to make a blend we're doing all kinds of we're doing all kinds of things we're tweaking blends we're making new things we're adding things we're bringing we're taking we're smoking and we're smoking 15 cigars a day and the palettes that they bring are so different that their input raises the level of the blending that we're doing, the work that is being done at the moment. And this is really, really something that is remarkable. And I, I am deeply grateful to have that come into the table when we're developing or maintaining whatever is in production.
4: The bad news is, Manolo, there is no hopes for my looks. The good news is Raquel is as all in and steadfast and loyal and hardworking and committed as ever. So you got half at least. Yeah. But for me, one, one it's out of two is That's exactly <laughs> yeah. one out of two is yeah. not bad. Yeah. You know, yeah. Manolo just said something about palates and particularly the young palates. And Manolo, you have a line that you've used in our tastings in the past about your familiarity with flavors growing up on your breakfast cereal and drink of choice as a kid and the young ones access to flavors based on the breakfast foods and drinks of choice that we had growing up. And I think that's worth you sharing here because I think it's incredibly insightful.
2: Oh, indeed. When, when, I, when I grew up, we had three soda pops and three cereals and no combinations of flavors at all. It was one flavor and that was it. Uh, the young ones have come now with where you have watermelon with mango and pineapple with kiwi and and uh, chocolate with salt, uh, saltwater taffy, and all these things that we didn't experience. Our palates didn't develop till a very later age to be able to recognize the combination of flavors that the young ones come with and bring to the table. And that is something that I learned a lot uh, from the young ones And I'm from you as well, because you are part of the young ones. Uh, Our palates, when I started in the factory, we were looking for good and bad things in the cigar. We didn't want to have too much spiciness or too much dryness in the mouth or too much uh, acidity or uh, some uh, bitterness. We were looking for the good things. Uh, The palate... The smoke keeps the palate moist. The flavors are tobacco flavors and are good. They're mild. They're you of tobacco. Now, we can bring that to a higher level where you can now virtually recognize some combination of flavors. And now we know that we have regions in the tongue that we can play with. And that brings blending and tasting to a higher a totally different level of what it was 50 years ago.
4: And what's been fun for me, and I know for the rest of the young ones, is, you know, I said before, Manolo won't say no, but he will say, let's see. And it has been fun. I remember specifically working on Sterling when I had written a blend and there was, I think it was uh, San Vicente and Criolla 98 were two of the four tobaccos in the blend. And Manolo said, These two don't work together. You could pick one or the other, but you really shouldn't have both. And I remember asking, Could you please at least make the shitty one so that I could taste the corrected one and at least experience what you already know? as the theory behind the blend. Otherwise, I can't I can't experience what that correction feels like, and I'd like to. And he said, yes. And so I remember he brought out, um, we had two blends. One was the one that I made, and then one was the one that that he made. And so he's like, all right, let's smoke the one with the San Vicente and the Criolla 98 together. And then you can smoke the correction of it and we lit him up and Manolo's knee started bouncing and he took three hard puffs and he said well some bitch sometimes the rules change (laughs) but what a what an incredibly generous and gracious move to make the blend in the first place but then also say you know what it's actually not bad and so then I asked him well what changed and he said son everything changes and i said well isn't that something you know it was <laughs> it a- was one of those really you know magical moments yeah. of true mentorship when someone's willing to take the extra step to experience the failure together and presumably it would have been a failure and we could have tasted then that correction and the correction was delicious but to have that moment together is a incredibly humble and he didn't have to do it but he did it and he's always done it and you know i i can't i couldn't imagine there's no way Ferri Otego would be Ferri Otego without manolo there's no way um my career would have done what it did without manolo's guidance and support it's just been um it's it's a tough thing to to try and quantify it's impossible.
2: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm gonna step aside for a moment because I'm blushing here. I'm turning all red. Uh, thank you, Michael. That's very kind of you. Uh, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to make the best for everyone. You do. And I'm w- I'm willing to learn, and I'm willing to you know we made we went to Nicaragua. <laughs> you went we meet in Nicaragua the first time you ever went the smoke blends that I was making for myself just to see what the process was. And we did that in the factory in Dominican as well. And it's just been a learning experience all the way to, 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 to today.
4: Speaking of a learning experience, I'll share with you. I don't know, Manolo, if you actually have to step away or not. Uh, I, uh, Manolo and I were flying to uh, Nicaragua and I had booked my seat. Manolo booked his seat. We both share an affinity for aisle seats. And uh, so I was sitting in my aisle and he was sitting in his aisle. And it was a rather expensive ticket because I wanted to fly with Manolo. But hey, what the hell? (laughs) And uh, a woman was walking with her child and uh, said to Manolo, I think the kid might have been next to me and the mom was next to Manolo or something like that. And she says, Excuse me, sir, to Manolo, would you mind terribly switching seats with me? I'd like to fly uh, close to my daughter. And Manolo said, As the humble guy he is, Michael, give this lady your seat. She wants to sit next to her daughter. I'm like, What the fuck? I booked my window ticket, I booked my aisle seat too. He's like, Well, you're young, you can climb over. (laughs) Give the woman your seat.
2: <laughs> and he and,
0: and he did that was and, very I did. Kind of Michael. Uh, <laughs> and i did and i did i love that i love that the uh, classic yeah um you know i want to just i know we're, we're gonna wrap up here um what i want to say a couple of things you know both of you you know you've both been there personally for me in ways you guys probably don't realize and I want to kind of say this on the air you know Manola with the relationship with my son um and, and, and by the way anytime I talk to Manola, the first thing he asked he, he got to meet my son when he was working retail he's always asking about my son he got to talk to my son a few minutes beforehand it means a lot Michael when my dad was passing away he, the little conversations we had were so comforting um it meant a lot to me personally it's something I will never forget the comforting that I got during that that period. And, you know, so I can, you know, we talk about family and I feel very close to both of you guys, even though we, we don't see each other on a regular basis, but I, I wanted you both to know that that's very much appreciated for me, for you guys to take the time to do this show tonight. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is a great honor to, to have that. So I want to thank you guys very much on that.
2: Well, thank you as well. Well, it's, it's a pleasure, always a pleasure being with you and Bear. Yeah. And again, it's an honor for, for me and Michael and Raquel yeah. to be on your on uh, such a uh uh a very important uh broadcast, your one hundred and fiftieth broadcast.
0: Yeah, it was it meant a lot. Um like I said, this there were things I learned tonight that I just you don't know, they're just blown away how what I learned tonight from this conversation. And the conversations that we probably haven't heard before was just amazing.
4: We've never done this. I mean, we've we've done this a lot, just generally not recorded uh, and in front of people, but um, I really appreciate the opportunity to memorialize some of these conversations and, you know, they're they're conversations that we've had and stories that we've told that I look fondly at, you know, in my memory, but it's, yeah. I love the fact that um, that it's something that we can share with other people. You know, it's, there's a lot of great stories. I mean, let's face it. There's, I say this all the time when I'm in retail shops. There's a thousand stories to tell when you walk into a humidor. And the question really comes down to once you get past what cigar do you love for flavor and for characteristics and all those things that make the cigar appropriate for you, what's the story that resonates with you the most that when you look at that image when you fire it up that it does something more than just provide flavor that somehow you resonate with the story more meaningfully and um you know i i hope when when folks have the opportunity to light up a cigar that's made by the casada family that they they really connect with just how special the family is. There isn't a family like them. And I've said this on the air before with Bear, and I'll say it again with Manolo here. Bear, you said your first interaction with Manolo made you feel like he flew there for you. Mm -hmm. And it is a very unique um, personality when you can make people feel that way. Now, I would argue that he makes me feel that way, not you. But that's my point. I've never met anyone ever, and this is 25 years in the business, who has ever had an unkind thing or even a a negative memory of Manolo. Every time Manolo's name is mentioned, there is a good feeling or a great story that immediately follows And Manolo has the uncanny ability to make everybody feel like they are the most important. So much so that when Manolo used to pick me up at the airport, it would take 40 minutes to leave the airport because he would stop and talk to the customs guy for 10 minutes. And then he'd stop and talk to the baggage guy for 15 minutes. And then he'd stop and talk to the security guy on the way out the door for 15 minutes. Then he'd bump into a bus driver outside and talk to him for 10 minutes. And then finally he'd look around and say, Michael, where the fuck are you? I've been here for 40 minutes, Manolo. But that is Manolo. Everywhere and everyone he has time for and he remembers and he makes them feel important. And when you smoke his blends, you should feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well...
2: Gee, I don't know what to, I don't know where to go from here.
4: You can go to the bathroom if you need to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you year old. Wow. As a matter of fact, I'd love
2: to meet. Touching this Michael, guy Manolo. touching. I'd love to meet this guy Manolo. He sounds really, he sounds really good.
0: I'll tell you. Oh, he, uh, the guys are the best. We, we, like I said, um, you guys are the best we uh we we greatly appreciate it we we see that we see you know all these great stories and and you know what the products reflect all this that's what's so great about it the products just reflect this it's just hit after hit consistency after consistency it's i mean that's that's why we we see what we see
4: so I think it's worth flipping this just for a moment because this is your show and it's your hundred and fiftieth uh-huh you know there's lots of shows out there what you guys have done on a consistent basis in a unique long form that was not typical of our industry. Let's face it. I think you kind of pioneered that (laughs) and continue to, and continue to innovate it longer and longer, but nevertheless, at 150 episodes, what's, what's your, what's your biggest takeaway on those, 150 what are you most proud of in those 150 and then what are you most excited for for the next 150 great question
0: bear i kind of answered a little bit of this on on sunday night so i'm going to have you go first on this one
1: yeah, yeah i think yeah and then i'll I think, kind of
0: add my piece in
1: i think my answer answers both questions for michael um You know, the reason I do what I do, and I've said this before, and Coop's always been very gracious in his in his compliments to me and the saying that I capture the human side of the industry with my show. And I think we do it a lot of that here with special edition as well. And I think that the uh, the biggest takeaway that I have, Michael, of 150 episodes is that we've is that we've been able to create a really unique. Space you know what him and Aaron do on Thursday are is so special and We're able to do something different In yeah. a very similar similar type Fashion and my biggest takeaway is This for both this show and for my own Show you know I did 273 my 273rd Episode on Sunday Um Is that The Conversation is just getting started
0: mm-hmm.
1: And what I thought when I Initially started was going to be brief conversations to leave a little on the bone. It became longer <laughs> and longer because there was so much to go. And yet I can go back and Michael, you, you appear in my show annually now. And there's so much more to uncover and bring back from it. And it's not, it, yeah, there's some rehashing, but there's more to uncover. And something that you said in the last remark kind of, gave me pause to think about something. We talked about, I've talked, I've mentioned the story countless times, and it was an honor of me on my 250th episode to have Manolo as a guest, to share that with him on the air. And I've shared it with him in person, um, the way that he makes me feel. But Michael, you do the same thing. You do the same thing. And I, I don't know why I just had this epiphany when you were talking, but you do the same thing in this light bulb moment and from the moment I met you for the first time, you called me by name, which we'd never met. And yeah, I was wearing a name tag and that might've helped you, but maybe not. But you still, but you talked about the work that Coop and I were doing and we had just started it at the time. And we mentioned this at the top of the show, you pick up every time I call. And you don't have to. Yeah. And that makes me feel like I matter. And and I would you know, I don't want to speak for you, but I th- I would say that you would say it's because I do. And that is where I see this going is to show our audience, the world and even myself, the conversations and the people that matter in this industry because it's such a beautiful and beautiful and wonderful thing. And like you said, there's a thousand stories to tell. We're at
2: 150. And you, and you and Will have the ability and the capacity to bring out in your interviewees to put them to, to, put to say things that they normally wouldn't talk about tonight. Tonight, we have talked about things that we normally would not talk about. Well, on a show, anywhere you have that capacity to make it familiar, to make it easy, to make it simple, to make it fun, to make it where we can say things that perhaps we wouldn't say elsewhere you have that capacity to bring out at least in me and Michael and Raquel. And I'm sure that all your interviewees feel the same way.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah. You know, I think one thing that bear has done for me (laughs) is, is he, he kind of really helps me uh, get out of a comfort zone, so to speak. Um, and, and he kind of comes up with concepts that I probably would not have come up with at all. And he has this unique ability to develop the concept, run with the concept. And um, it, it, it definitely has made me a better person. For like, We can interview people all the time. But when, you know, kind of like I said, bears brought this human side of the cigar industry that, that I don't think anyone has brought before. Uh, he brings a professionalism. Um, and you know, I go back to what I said at the beginning. You know, I'm very proud of like we've done 150 shows, and and um, and like I said, we our teams have and the crew's been in place from day one when when the when the shows came on under the Cooper umbrella in 2017. And it just uh, it's 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 created a, a uh, like I said, it's, it's created a different avenue, it's created it's given me the opportunity. To do different types of interviews, Um, and Bear's brought Bear. Like I said, it's a, that Rick Ross. He just he has the ability to kind of bring bring these types of things, and he just he, he has a good pulse of this thing. And it doesn't have to be rapper bind to filler, is what I learned very early on with Bear. Does not have to be rapper bind to filler. And talk about any of that. We didn't talk about any of that tonight. It, it's, it's better the that's least, not rapper bind to filler.
4: It's the least important part. Really.
0: It, it 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 really is. I mean, it's the
4: it, most it, important part for us to get it right yeah but it's the least important part for a consumer to love this cigar that they love yeah it's the least important because it's the information that is the least meaningful for them to make the most informed decision which yep. i know sounds counterintuitive yep. but with the amount that things change it's it's learning what's behind the brand that really i think resonates with people the most
0: right right I mean, and, and I the, love that
4: you guys extract
0: that. And the other thing, and this may be a little selfish on my part, but to get these stories documented. Mm. And they're out there for for infinity, you know, when they're not going to ever be taken down, at least as long as I'm alive. Um, and certainly I, my, my goal is never to get these taken. I mean, these stories are recorded uh, and we've heard this from other people, you know, like to get these types of stories. I think it's important for the history of the industry, to, the legacy that you guys bring. Um, you know, so when, when we're talking about the 75th anniversary of Casada, or we're talking about the the 40th anniversary of Feriotago, and I th- those those milestones will happen, I can assure you, and, and many more. I feel like we've gotten a little piece of history recorded tonight here, uh, which is which is more valuable. Uh, this format that Bear and I've done, I think, re- is very very conducive. The Thursday show is a little different; it's a little more uh, faster paced, uh, kind of a little more uh, with timely industry stuff but we're able to kind of take a little step back with this show uh, that's why we call it special edition um, from, from the beginning and like I said it, it, it evolved into something a little different than I originally planned but but I'm very happy the way it evolved so uh, to just kind of bring these types of interviews uh, to, the, to the stage I call it the news magazine of the cigar industry that's always been my, my my role like what I was looking for uh, what do you want to say 60 minutes or whatever 2020 that was kind of what I was thinking originally with this concept but I think we've gotten a lot of that
4: I think it's just worth highlighting that Manolo and I are lucky that we do this. This is our full-time job. The fact that you both work full-time jobs and yet are so fully invested in the industry and not just being a consumer, but contributing in a way that makes the industry better is we're all better for it. So I'm I'm super grateful for what you guys do. I'm so pumped for the next 150, and I hope that we can get on one.
0: Oh, you, you definitely will. And, yeah. you, know, you know, the other thing I want to just say, you know, Bear and the other team members who aren't here tonight, you know, we went through a PCA last summer. We had our – believe it or not, I think we had our best PCA in terms of coverage. But there were challenges behind the scenes unrelated to our show that every team member had to deal with this year one form or another people didn't see that right but that's the professionals and the guys i work with here and work alongside with here and it, it, i just tell you like that professional really came out last summer because we were all really cha- real challenges were thrown at us like I said, all outside of cigars for that trade show and i just can't get over you know like i said the fact that you know everyone was still going and we were still doing that um that's again another part of what, what these 150 episodes, and we've done 288 with Aaron on on um, on Thursday night, so we have a lot. Bear's done 273, right? 273. I have the number That's right. Crazy. So again, you, you know, like we appreciate you saying that, Michael, because honestly, this, this the, the challenges are are real. We do have these challenges, is what I'm going to say, and we, you know, it, it's not easy sometimes. I
4: remember we talked about it very early on. When the in the advent of the blogger sphere, and talking about the trade show and the need for media passes, and we went back and forth on this conversation, and our industry struggles because there was nothing that truly professionalized our craft, retail, manufacturing. There was no curriculum. There was no diploma. There's nothing that could that could um, establish one's accreditation other than showing up. And I can remember one of our early conversations, Coop was if you want to be taken seriously, then you have to take it seriously. Yep. I think it was your first trade show um, yep. when you were interviewing and you guys have done it, man. All you guys, Aaron, all you guys take this seriously and the work matters. It's very impressive.
0: Thank you. No, thank you very much. Thank you. I mean, you, you both have been with us from day one. I mean, I remember Manolo coming in in the old Outland cigar days, and when I was getting started. He and you know, Michael. I remember when you took the job over at Nat Sherman, and you were building what you started to build there. I remember, you know, the first trade show, the test blends, and all that, and uh, seeing you kind of move into that role and look what it's turned out to be, um, which has just been um, beautiful. And and I'd be remiss to say. You know, last year, last year, uh, you know, the factory uh, was was the Casada factory was our factory of the year. The the products coming out of that factory, uh, I mean, that's just it's just that just shows it. I mean, the the quality of the products. Um, you know, you guys and you guys, I know, have had challenges on both your ends as well. You guys, I mean, I'm, there's challenges. I'm sure you guys do it, and to see what we saw, and then when I got to see the factory for the first time in February. It was, it meant so much. I mean, it was just seeing that in action. Thank you, Will. Yeah, and thank we, you, guys. Yeah,
2: and it was an honor to be named the factory of the year. That was small
0: factory of the year. That was an honor for us. It's—it's it's magic when you bear. I mean, that was the one thing you didn't—you know—I know you weren't down there. But the magic of that factory is—is is something magical when you walk when you walk through uh, that factory.
1: Well, it's magic what comes out of it. So I yeah. can only imagine what it's yeah. like in person. I mean, again, even
0: after that factory, we saw the releases that came out this year. You know, Suma, Casa Magna fifteen. Uh, you know, on and on. I mean, it's just, un- It's just, it's great. It's 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 not losing any step here. And uh, you know, it's it's like I said to kind of watch this. You know, we're on this. We're observers, kind of in the media, but to watch what has built here is is something very special i mean i'm looking for you know you guys you know i know you have 50 years coming up next year michael you just went through 10 years with timeless i know that was very important to you and it's just it's a beautiful thing to see
4: and we're just getting started
0: totally we are totally
2: indeed Indeed.
0: well i bear i don't have anything else we want to let these guys go uh we do have some other stuff we're going to be doing on the show um So, I know Manolo, we kept kept you a long time, and and we appreciate the time you gave us. Uh, You're always generous with your time. Always Um, my pleasure, Will. Yeah, so I I can't wait to see you guys in February uh, down in the Dominican, and then we'll all see each other in March, which will be great in Vegas. Indeed. Good Lord willing. Exactly, exactly. Michael,
1: uh, Michael, last question. Am I smoking the elegancia or the timeless tenure? um cigar.
4: you just had the casada
1: yeah the 15th which was fantastic i'm still smoking it so here's what
4: i'll tell done. you and what what year elegancia is it is it 21 or 22
1: uh, it's 20 it's 21
4: 21 i love when people smoke the elegancia second because the elegancia really is um it's a deceiving blend it's it's a cigar that 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 people would quickly judge as being morning quickly judge as being something lighter but i always equate that blend to creme brulee and it's it has a body and a richness that like creme brulee You don't eat for breakfast. You eat it after a meal. Yeah. Because the body Mm -hmm. is so substantial that even though it looks light, it is appropriately rich for a follow-up. So I would love for you to smoke the Elegancia as a decadent dessert
1: after this. Sounds fantastic. And I, by the way, I have
0: had elegancia as my last cigar of the day, and I agree with that. I love a good like cigar like that at the end of the day. Uh, it, it, it's exactly what you said, Michael. It's a dessert.
4: It's a killer. It's yeah. really a killer. And actually, I mean, that's – Manolo always was a start heavy and move lighter, which was one of the things that, that I've always kind of followed. And speaking of Manolo, I'm also smoking our newest Timeless Prestige Number four petite corona that we just released. Interesting. Last
2: month. Right. Nice job. Even I, even I don't have one of those. Well, you got more
1: than I do. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But no, uh, we fifteen that Casa Magna fifteenth was yeah. amazing, Yeah, Manolo, Thank yeah. you so much.
0: I, I'm going on to when we do the our other stuff, I'm gonna be smoking Casa Magna Robusto, and I, I've said this in the last five years, there has not been a higher scoring cigar on Coop. Even though it's a scar, it's been around a long time. It's it's one of the high, I mean, Bear, you know, we had the whole, we did, mm-hmm. Ben and I did the whole smoke of that, and we know what we think of that cigar, too. It's, uh, it's, it's historic and it's so good. I mean, and this time was 10, Michael. This was just such a great testament to what you did. Um, it's a great blend. As it's I whittle down that, my supply, yeah.
4: It's a blend that we created together, and it's one that I'm certainly proud of.
0: You should be. Absolutely. It should be. Uh, so gentlemen, I thank you guys very much for everything um, and uh, you know I uh, actually can I ask one more question? Of course. Did we because I don't know if I uh, I want to ask this in, Did we ask the question and I apologize if I'm I'm, I'm getting the answer the most important thing that Manola taught you, Michael. Well,
1: huh. Give up the seat to the little girl.
0: Um,
4: you know, there's a, <clears throat> I have one specific story that I'll share, but okay. before I do, we are living in an era that is being ruled by influencers. I grew up in an era That was dominated with role models. Mm -hmm. And to me, the, the, the key difference is a role model inspires with their actions and their deeds and their generosity and their graciousness because it's in their heart and it's what they do when no one else is looking except the person who they're influencing. I feel... I feel bad for younger generations who are being influenced by influencers who are being influenced by other motivations. So I couldn't even begin to start rattling off what I've learned from Manolo. Um, But one story that stands out, it was RTDA Maybe it was the one after the IPCPR. We were in Las Vegas. It was when the Palazzo first opened, and they had that big open circle bar with the booths. And Manolo invited me for a drink. It might have been a big smoke, but I think it was I think it was IPCPR. And it was the, the who's who. Manolo, Benji Menendez, Hanky Kellner. Um Daniel Nunez, Jose San. It was, Jose, it was the board. Seas, yeah. It was the board of Pro Cigar, basically. And me. And they were all gracious enough to speak English. And I was 25, maybe. Um I don't even think I think I was still sales. I don't think I was a, a manager yet. So 25 or 26 legends and me. And so what does a 25 year old feel like they're supposed to do, but keep up. And so they were having this very interesting conversation in English that I felt the need to try and participate in to, to try and prove that I belonged at a seat (laughs) that I did not belong being in. And so anytime they would say something, I would say, oh, yes. and But also, and I would chime in a little, and I'd feel this, this thing under the table from Manolo. Like, what the hell? <laughs> and then the conversation would go on, and something else would come up. And I'd say, well, you know, I've always find, and I'd feel a, again. And at some point, thank God, Manolo leaned over to me. And he said, son, shut the fuck up and listen. And then the conversation went on. That was the most meaningful moment of my career that I didn't have to prove anything. I was invited to the table to learn. Whatever I had done, at least earn me the invitation, and I would be better off listening and learning than trying to contribute in a conversation that I obviously had nothing meaningful to contribute to. And I have I have held that shut the fuck up and listen in my heart for 20 years as I moved on. Because every time I think I have something meaningful to share. I take a look around in a room and realize this room is filled with people that know way more than I do. And I would be much better served shutting the fuck up and listen. So Manolo, I am awfully grateful for your candor and directness because that is some real fatherly advice that I have taken with me.
2: <laughs> I've, I've been in tobacco for 60 60 three years and when I sit with people like Néstor Placencia, Enki Kellner, Daniel Nunez, David Perez and we start talking about farming, I shut the fuck up because I do not come anywhere near those four individuals when it comes to growing tobacco. So sometimes, yeah, you're better off just sitting there listening and learning than trying to prove that you belong in the place.
4: But my takeaway was that I did belong. I just belonged quietly, and that was good enough for me. (laughs) And I'm grateful for it. Well,
2: I'm happy that it it didn't just turn into hitting you under the table.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're here, so obviously it worked.
0: Indeed. Indeed, that's awesome. Well, gentlemen, I think Jones, that was a thank great, you. Yeah. No, I think that was a great way to kind of wrap this up. Like I said, you both are role models for what we do, the class, the dignity. Uh you have brought over the years. Thank you guys for that. Thank you guys for the support. We appreciate it. Not take it for granted by any means.
2: As as well, we don't take it for granted either. And we appreciate your help and support always.
0: We're always here for you guys. Yep. But thank you guys for being a Here's part of this. 150. Absol- absolutely
2: absolutely I'll, I'll be in spain uh in, uh in december so at four o'clock in the morning uh i'm available
1: <laughs> you're the what? uh your gentleman in the scholar <laughs> i still can't believe you did that thank you so okay. much that
0: was amazing yep yeah thank you guys yeah
4: uh, merry christmas We'll Very see you guys good. soon. Manolo, you happy,
0: happy holidays, and may Santa Claus be kind. Absolutely. Gentlemen, thank you guys again. We'll see you guys. I'll see you guys in February, and we'll all see each other in March. All see right,
1: you. Bear, we'll see you in March, right? Yes, sir. I'll be there. The bell's on. All right. Yeah. All looking right. forward to it.
0: All right. See you guys.
1: Jesse. Take care. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Right. Good, good night.
0: All right. all right. That is the the legends, Michael Herklotz and Manolo Quesada, uh here uh, on – um. The special edition 150 episode. So, Bear, great job, man. Uh, Bear, Bear really came up with this concept. He drove a lot of this concept tonight. I learned a lot. Um, what I want to do, Bear, um, because I know I want to get into just some of the segments we held off tonight because we, again, it was some special circumstances. So, uh then yeah. we kind of we'll do a little brief. brief, brief and I have one fun question to end the night.
1: Sounds fantastic. All right, I'm grabbing so, a I'm grabbing a water. So hit it. All right.
0: So um what I want to do first is we are going to get into and want to thank again, you know, our our sponsor segments. We did hold them off tonight and and we're not we we have more to come. So we do appreciate it. But um, you know, a tradition that we've done on this show uh for a while, and now we have the new um Rockefeller American History segment, which uh is always, 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 always a fun segment to do. And uh, so let's get into that right now. Uh, And, of course, the American history segment brought to you by Rockefeller Cigars. At Rockefeller Cigars, their journey began with a simple yet powerful vision to create an affordable luxury that transcends social boundaries. We wanted to offer a premium product that embodies the spirit of entrepreneurship while remaining accessible to men and women from all walks of life inspired by the resilience of the american spirit during the great depression the rockefeller scar stands as a testament to the unwavering determination and the pursuit of excellence so um as bear kind of gets resituated here um this is a 150 episode so i have two questions for bear related to 150 tonight um so one question i'm going to give bear and i think he's going to get both of these right i i All right. One question occurred in 1926, which is the 150th anniversary of this country. Okay. And the second question occurred 150 years ago, back in 1873. All right. You you up for it? I'm game. Let's do it. All right. In 1926, which was the 150th anniversary of the U.S., a famous bridge opened in Philadelphia. What was that bridge?
1: A famous bridge opened in 1926 on the 150th anniversary.
0: Uh, it actually opened July 1st, so a couple of days before the 150th. Yeah, I was going to say, I, yeah. if
1: it's the one I'm thinking of, it was actually a couple of days before it, yep. which was, they were shooting for it. I don't know why they didn't just delay the opening of it. Um, but um, if it's the one I'm thinking of, um, it's in Philadelphia, right? So I think we're talking about, it's got to be the Benjamin Franklin Bridge. Correct. Uh um, there's two bridges
0: that kind of are um, iconic bridges in Philadelphia, I would say, that connect Philadelphia with New Jersey. Uh, there's the Walt Whitman Bridge, which uh, yeah. connects South Philadelphia to New Jersey. And then there's the Ben Franklin Bridge, which uh, it has that rich blue color to it that um, connects Center City uh, to um, New Jersey, the Camden side. So that is correct. That is correct. I didn't know how much you knew your Philadelphia bridges either. So, um, and the fact that you even remembered the date was pretty impressive. (laughs) Okay, Uh, that was actually three days beforehand on that. So, so yeah, good job. Uh, The Ben Franklin Bridge is—I just think it's one of the great bridges in the country. Like I said, it really—it goes right. What's really cool about it, Bear, it goes right into the heart of Philadelphia. You're not far from Independence Hall where the bridge lands. Uh, and then it takes you right into that that Vine Street area, which is uh, the heart of Center City, which is the downtown area. So,
1: I mean, uh, it, I, mean it, I mean, it was a solid. It was a solid. I mean, it was either between that and Whitman, and I just, I, I was, I was like ninety nine percent sure. It was. It was I didn't see a lot of people
0: don't know the bridges in Philadelphia who don't live there. So I didn't know if you'd even know that part, right? Well, but I,
1: there's a, and there's there, a few
0: other bridges that exist, There's the tocconi Palmyra. Uh, the Betsy, there's Ro- the Betsy Ross bridge as well.
1: Oh, see, I didn't even know about those. I knew yeah. about Whitman and I knew about Franklin because again, yeah. they're, they're, yeah. Two, they're, they separate the two iconic points of the, of the city yeah. that I, I always found it interesting. Um, I mean, here's, here, we can board people here. I think I found it what I found interesting about the, the that and I was, cause I was trying to, cause I was like, wasn't Walt, Mid-, cause I've. F- wasn't Walt Whitman born in, like, New York? I think that's I think right.
0: so. I think so. I never... I didn't know much about the history of the Walt Whitman Bridge, yeah.
1: Um,
0: but he
1: he died in Jersey. Was he, like, a lifelong Jersey, like, um, like, resident?
0: He, uh like, he grew up in Brooklyn and Long Island, from what I understand. But he died actually in Camden, which is the New Jersey side of of Philadelphia. Which has had okay. its... Which has had right. Its... So
1: I was right. He did die in New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um... It's it's funny because I, I I think most people either can, they they tend to confuse Whitman and Faulkner. I don't know why they do because Faulkner is definitely Southern, Whitman's definitely not. But um, but I, um, but yeah, no, it, that's that's one of the more interesting things. Um, I think well, I think my the reason I even know these random bullshit facts about Philadelphia is just like you know again, it's. You know, I mean, there are a lot of important cities in this country, New York and Boston, obviously DC, but Philadelphia is such a center point for the, for American history that, yep. you know, when you're, when you're reading and you're, you're going through history as I have um over and over again, Philadelphia is what is, what, you know, comes back to, you know, kind of. Kind of comes back to the to to center a little bit, so it's 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 easy to pick up random facts. I mean, I couldn't tell you any bridges in 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 other cities around the country, so it's not like I'm that much of a nerd. But um but Philadelphia is such a such an, a such a center point to American history and American lore.
0: Yeah, do you know which is the older bridge between the Walt Whitman and the and the Ben Franklin?
1: Oh, uh, see, I thought it was. Well, now I'm now I'm going to second guess myself. I was going to assume it was Ren Franklin. Yeah, but the Ben is Franklin important.
0: is the older of the two. The Walt okay, Whitman, the wall Women opened in fifty seven, and it was controversial okay. there because it was a New Jersey guy getting named for it. it that was a controversy with this. Uh, there oh, were right. there was definitely some movement to try to object to the name of this. By the way, uh, then there was just some people who kind of considered Whitman's politics. That was another issue, you know. Yeah, I'm uh, sure it was not talked about today, but uh, yeah, that that's the other that's the other piece as well. Um, so, um, but yeah, it's, um, like I said, it that's the other bridge, but the, the I would the Ben Franklin to me is the more iconic of looking of the bridges, too. It looks it looks newer, actually. The Ben Franklin, that's why I was like, that's why some people get a little, um, little off off kilt on that one. Um, but the the Walt Whitman Bridge takes you into South Philly, um, which is, you know, so that's you know, if you go into the stadiums, that's the bridge you would
1: take. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, Whitman was a very polarizing individual. Yeah. Um, yeah. for his time. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're talking about. You know, I mean, the man was born. I don't know. Mid eighteen hundreds. I mean, I think like I don't know.
0: 18, was...
1: 1820, something like that. I mean, uh, he,
0: yeah, he was born eighteen nineteen, pretty close. Yeah. He died. He go. died at seventy two years old in eighteen ninety two.
1: Yeah, I mean, what I mean, one of the the things that he, I mean, one of the things that he's best known for, at least, like I get, I guess you can call it politically, and why, like he was just a very polarizing. He was a yeah. very big believer in temperance, like again, abstaining from alcohol. Yep. Which is, you know, you know, at the t- it doesn't seem very much doesn't seem very important today. Necessarily, but in back in the back in that time, it was very. You know, it was very controversial. It was different. It was a very polarized. He was a he was just a polarizing individual and stuff. I mean, he's written some beautiful. He has he's a he's an incredible writer. He's written some beautiful pieces. Um, I uh, I mean, I I tend to, uh, you know, um, I mean, I, I I've enjoyed some of his writing. I think yeah. he, I think he's just I think he's a he's a masterful a master at that work. So
0: right, right, exactly. He uh, yeah, you know, he um. He he was definitely a very interesting guy. I mean, he had a lot of um, he had a lot of polarizing views on both on religion too. Um, yeah. As mm. well, he wasn't an atheist, but he kind of was this. There's a word for it, but he kind of just uh, he did not. He, he basically wouldn't give credence to one religion over another, kind of. Yeah. Uh, no. He's very, he's he's of very a, much a deist. Yeah. Deist. deist. That was That's the I'm looking Yeah. Deist. He yeah, was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean. You know, it, 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 particularly in particularly the eighteen hundreds, to have such a, uh, a progressive uh, viewpoint of God, you know, I mean, think about how polarizing it, yeah. even into in and even in twenty twenty three, you know, it's a lot different of a landscape. Believe me or not, I mean, like we, but I mean, we still battle with religion and politics yeah. every four years, and um, it's very, you know. So, I mean, just think about that during the time. I mean, again, you know, we're talking about mid 1800s. Yeah. To have such a, such that such a progressive, you know, thought on it too. And of course, you know, and I mean, to say nothing of his, you know, his sexuality too was, that was know, a whole other issue too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah hugely was... controversial for the day. So, yeah. Yep. I mean, so even in 1957, 57, 56, what did you say? 57? Uh, 57. Yeah. A bridge and then named after him, not a New Jersey guy to have this polarizing person, you know, like God, man, that's, that's, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Unique history for sure.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So that was our question from the 150th anniversary of this country. We're going to go back 150 years now to 1873. And um, on this day, someone died. All right. And mm-hmm. a very important figure in American history. And I think you're going to get this one too, but I think it's an interesting combination, which is why it's more about the, the history here. This former Chief Justice and former Secretary of the Treasury died on this date.
1: Treasury and Chief Justice?
0: Yep. He was. He had both. 1870,
1: 1870. 1870 oh, that's that. Yeah, that's easy. That's, uh, that's Chase. That's Simon P. Sam Chase.
0: Ch- Simon Chase, yep. yeah. Yeah. Which you really know again, cool,
1: really cool figure in American history. Yeah. He doesn't get a lot of credit.
0: He doesn't. Yet. Um he doesn't. Um
1: he's on He, he was on the, ousted out of the out of Lincoln's cabinet to become the Chief Justice. That yes, was the was, thing. Yes, he that was, was yes.
0: Yep. He was the sixth Chief Justice of our country. Yep. Uh yeah. and uh, uh, he is also on the ten thousand dollar bill. Yes. Which is the highest bill that was ever put in into circulation. So, uh, so that was the largest, den- there was a hundred thousand dollar bill with Woodrow Wilson. I think we talked about it on a show previously. Uh, mm-hmm. and, but that was between the national, the, was it the reserve banks used those? Mm-hmm. That was Correct. not something, but the $10,000 bill was the largest denomination of any currency. And he is the face of that one. Um, so, uh, and, like I said, I am, you know, they would discontin- They were all all those all the bills over a hundred dollars were discontinued right before, right after I was born, nineteen sixty nine. I I do have a five hundred dollar bill I'm in possession of, that's locked away. So, uh, okay. but yeah, I so that job. and that's I've never seen anything in person higher than the five hundred dollar bill. So, um, and so yeah, yeah, but yeah, but yeah you think uh, about that. That's an interesting combination of uh roles in our government
1: uh hmm yeah no no he, he, it was a it was a very it was a very I mean there was a lot of uh not a lot there was some very prominent moves made in Lincoln's cabinet over the time you know you have um you know Blair was removed uh, as Postmaster General uh Chase was removed as the Secretary of Treasury but the, it was um and but it was it was made strategically I, again. It, it, they go through a nomination and a, a, a obviously and uh, a confirmation uh, process. It's not as intense as it was it is it is today. You know, it's not publicly skewed. You know, they didn't have CNN back then, right? Yep. So, but I mean, it was still very much a process, and it certainly wasn't guaranteed by any stretch. So, I think it was a gamble. Um, there were a lot of there was a lot of polit- political differences too. Uh, between Lincoln and Chase on it in, in his role as Secretary of the Treasury. So it 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 was strategic in the sense that he did want to put him on the bench, but it was also strategic in the sense that he wanted him off the cabinet. At that um, point I didn't
0: know. Now that part I didn't know. Interesting.
1: Yeah. So th- it's, there's a really unique perspective if you really want a unique perspective on it. There's a there's a an a, a, a nonfictional history book. There's actually a series of them um written by a woman named Jennifer, um, uh, uh, she Ch- Chiaver- of and I'm probably mispronouncing that and I apologize, but I've read them and they're really good. Uh, it's a series of, and there's one she calls, um, Mrs. It's, you know, Mrs. Lincoln's dressmaker, uh, which is about, uh, which is about, uh, Miss Cuthbert, which was basically her, you know, for all intents and purposes, Lady in Waiting, obviously that's not a, that's a dated term, but Lady in Waiting, basically, um, who was you know Mary Todd Lincoln's dressmaker and Lady in Waiting and and stuff. She was a very very important person in the White House during the Lincoln years, and uh, to to Mrs. Lincoln specifically, because you know as we know, Mary Todd Lincoln was not the um, um, altogether all there person. Um, she had she had huge bouts of depression and in modern day people would probably characterize her as a as bipolar uh you know she probably had that you know or even borderline disorder like so i mean she she had a lot of of mental issues and she had suffered a great deal of personal loss in her lifetime you know she lost a lot of her, she lost some children uh at a very you know at a very young age and 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 and, and so it was very yep very very tragic her existence but there's another book which is actually really really cool uh, that talks about Sam and P. Chase a lot because it, it's it's Mrs. Lincoln's rival which is the wife of Sam and P. Chase uh, who was a younger bride and uh, of Sam and P. Chase and everything and so it 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 tells the story of Sam and P. Chase specifically um, through the lens of his wife in this non-fictional you know, this nonfictional history or, or fictional history, rather. Like, it's not like they're not actual quotes. Like, they're not, you know, they, they, this, this person existed, but, you know, it's, 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 it's a wonderful, wonderful telling of history. And, and the author does a great job in a series of books. And Mrs. Lincoln's Dressmakers, one and the other one is Mrs. Lincoln's Rival. So if you're interested in Sam and P. Chase and you want some entertainment to go along with it, um, Mrs. Lincoln's Rival is a book I recommend for sure.
0: Nice. You know, a uh, couple of facts that I pulled up on, on Chase. Uh, he was married three times. All three of his wives died. Uh, pretty. It, he wasn't like fast. The last two died from tuberculosis, from what I understand. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The other thing is, um, he had a lot of party affiliations. This guy. So from yeah. what I understand, he was a Whig. He started out as a Whig, and then later Correct. he be, he became a Republican, and then he flipped Democrat right before he Correct. went to the Chief Justice, and that was after you know
1: so. Um. And that was part of that was part of the controversy. Yeah, that was part of the controversy. But but Lincoln Lincoln built it. I mean, Doris Kearns Goodwin illustrates this in her amazing book. Yeah. Which is actually what the movie Lincoln is based on. Believe it or not, it's it's called Team of Rivals. Yeah. A sensational book that illustrates Lincoln really um putting into practice um uh, um the idea of, you know, if you're you know, it, it it goes back to a quote I've mentioned a couple of times. I, I've I heard it first on a television show, and obviously Lincoln wasn't around with television, but but I think it's a very smart thing. There's um, a quote from a television show that's you know the guy says to another character in the show, he says, "If I've you know it's been a lot of years, but I've come around to this. If you're if you're if you're dumb, surround yourself with smart people, and if you're smart, surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you." And that's what Lincoln did. His cabinet was filled with rivals. People who disagreed with them, Salmon P. Chase, you know, Weston Blair, um, uh, William Seward, you know, who ended up being one of his closest confidants in his yep. in his last few years on this earth. But Seward and Lincoln were bitter rivals in the beginning. Yep. Oh, they yeah. Were, go, they were vying for the presidency at the same time. And we were talking, you know, everyone talks about the Lincoln-Douglas debates. Seward had some heavy handed yes. things to say.
0: Yep. Yeah. Very true. Very so,
1: true. So it's, you know, it's no surprise that there was some upheaval and, 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 and of in during, in his cabinet over the years, because he, so he chose to surround himself with people who disagreed with him, you know, even Stanton, you know, the secretary of war, um, who, again, in his own, uh, in some of his own writings, um, revered lincoln you know again it wasn't the case in the very beginning you know um he thought he was he thought he was being appointed to the position of secretary of war as you know he was going to be the the white knight so to speak you know and what he quickly learned by serving under lincoln was that he had a lot to learn very true (laughs) um as michael was saying earlier in tonight's interview you know just shut the fuck up and listen (laughs) and uh and uh and that was that was actually that was one of stanton's um i guess proclivities towards lincoln Yep, yep. lincoln lincoln was fond of telling stories very fond of telling stories very similar that you can see yep. why we like why i like him so much right yeah um, exactly <laughs> and uh um and stanton actually couldn't stand this part about this character he just just like it just like cut to the chase, cut the, you know, cut the bullshit, like just get to the point kind of like Stanton was very much like that. He was a very straightforward person. And uh, you know, and so he didn't like the, uh, the offbeat roundabout beat around the bush way of saying things that Lincoln was very fond of doing. Um, and that's what people, that's why people loved Lincoln was because he made it really. He made a topic yeah. or a subject very relatable because he would tell a story around it. Um, and this was something that Stanton hated. Um but again, yeah, uh, team of rivals, man. Doris Kearns good one. Fu- fucking fantastic book. Um absolutely sensational. I've... She's a she's since sens- she's a sensational historian.
0: Holy oh, shit. we know and we know her from our base, you know, her baseball historian things is the amazing part too.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, it was good. So I think that was a good uh, American history segment tonight. Um I always like doing these because uh because I feel like we learned something um w- with that, um, for sure. Um, so, but that's our that Rockefeller American history segment here. Um, uh, always brought to you by Rockefeller Cigars. All right, so let's get into uh, our great things are happening here, uh, segment next. Um, and then we'll go into our uh, Espinosa segment. And of course, um, the great things are happening here segment brought to you by Tobacco RSA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room cigars. Tobacco RSA, great things are happening here. Um, so uh, um, Bear, um Barry, I'll give you you want me to go first or you go first with this one
1: you go ahead and go first
0: all right uh, I found this story actually um this week um and it was one of the more interesting stories um it, it was basically there was a uh a man who was part of a community um and he was he was basically what people't know he lived in uh the town of Hinsdale New Hampshire. And he kind of led a simple life. Um, and he was just like, he looked like a regular Joe. Uh, you know, he'd mow his own lawn. He'd go to the convenience stores. You know, he'd be seen just reading the newspaper outside. He did odd jobs for people, right? Um, and uh, he rode his bicycle around. He didn't even drive a, a car. Um, um, but he died. He died earlier this year. But what people didn't know is this guy was actually a multimillionaire. Um and when he died uh he had 3.8 million dollars uh and what he did with those 3.8 million dollars is he donated it all back to the town of Hinsdale to benefit the community for like uh, education healthcare or rec- rec- recreation and culture um which uh you know so what was amazing is it's like a twofold story number one no one knew that this guy was like like a millionaire they they had no idea that that he was rich and then the other thing is the fact that he did this uh, was was uh pr- particularly amazing too uh, he was eighty two years old when when he died so he lived a very good life uh with that um you know but uh i thought this was just one of an amazing story um he I, he had some family so it's like it's not like he didn't have some family i think he had a a sister uh as well i don't um and uh and i think he had i want to say he had some kids as well so um you know uh, for, for that. So um, you know, so he did give a three point eight million dollar thing when no one knew no one saw this coming basically. Uh and uh the man's name that I didn't even say the man's name, Jeffrey Holt was the guy's name, by the way. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey G O F F, yeah, um, as well. So um so yeah, the uh uh an amazing, amazing story. Uh I thought when I saw this, I was like, wow, I didn't I yeah I had never seen anything like this but it was it, it piqued my interest when I saw this story hit last week
1: it's awesome yeah very cool story
0: uh no now you got a really you got an interesting animal story here this week
1: yeah i i it, it grabbed my attention man I think you know we've we talked about it we've talked about some of these stories similar stories very early on when we started doing this segment um but i it it, it always grabs my attention, man. Conservation is a very big part of our family and, and, uh, it's a very big part of, you know, um, you know, what I, what I hold dear. Um, I think that we, you know, as a society and culture should, should, um, take care of, you know, take care of, uh, our plants and all inhabitants. And everyone knows I'm an animal lover and everything too. So the, uh, that this is a really cool story. Uh, Uh, If you want to put it on the screen, it's fine. Yep, I'm Um, doing that
0: right now. Yep.
1: But the uh, so the Chester Zoo, which when I say Chester, Chester, this is the United Kingdom, so this isn't England. Uh, We're really thrilled uh, to announce the safe arrival of a Eastern black rhino calf that was born um, in uh, in Great Britain. So. Why is this important? Well, the eastern black rhino is is incredibly incredibly endangered. And when I say incredibly, there's there are levels of endangerment on the scale. Right. And one of the worst ones you can be is critically endangered. I mean, we're talking about less than when we're saying we're like less than hundreds left in the wild. Yeah. You know, when you think about I've never seen animals,
0: it. I've have never know. seen this rhino till this article, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's very, very rare. And one of the things you can tell about is, is that, um, is the, the two, the two horns yep. on the, on the mom there. The mom is Zuri. So yep. a lot of the rhinos that you see, uh, that again, all rhinos are, are, are endangered. Um, but this Eastern black rhino is, is critically endangered. Right. Um, um, and so it's, it's, it's not a, you know, rhino, rhinos and elephants have a, very long, uh, pregnancy, um, rhinos are actually, um, have a 15 month pregnancy, so it's, it's not, it's a lot of critical things can go wrong during a pregnancy. So you, they're known for actually losing babies quite a bit, um, which is interesting. Um, so the exact number that they, that they say across this is, again, this is in Africa that are that left or left in the wild, less than 600. Wow. That's critical. Less than six hundred. So that's critical. Yeah. So how important is an additional one? It's it's very important. So, um. So the uh, you know fifteen months, this you know, and what was unique about this, which was int- I found this interesting, is that rhinos tend to give birth overnight. Oh really? Yes. This this baby was born at two forty five in the afternoon. So wow. Not only was this birth recorded and you can actually see the video from this link. That'll be in the show notes later. Um, but you can, it was witnessed by a lot of people because they got, it got to be during the day, which was really great. So, uh, um, you know, pretty, pretty awesome story. Um, yeah. And, uh, it's, it's so cool that, uh, that zoos exists to, uh, continue to, uh, to save and, um, Prolong, you know, some of these amazing species.
0: Wow! Yep, there's the there there's, there's there's, there there's the birth there's the wow. birth to the baby. That's yeah. amazing.
1: That's amazing. Just yep. Look how easy that is. Looks yeah. simple, right? Well Fif- Fifteen months. Fifteen months of waiting. Wow! And look at the little guy. Nice. As cute as yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Cool stuff.
0: Nice. I can't. I can't explain what the ads I'm getting off this site though. <laughs> get some of the strangest like ads coming up here. Uh, I
1: think it's. I think this dude. I think it's the sponsors from the. So I get Timu. Uh, I, I'm like
0: Yeah, I, I. I, I, I know what Timu
1: is. I know what Timu. I know is, what Temu is. is. I mean, I don't, no don't use depends, it. I, so. I don't
0: buy my wife these types of t-shirts or anything like that. <laughs> I can't explain it. This maybe, maybe
1: Mrs. Maybe Mrs. Cooper wishes you bought her T-shirts. Maybe that's it, maybe, so. maybe,
0: exactly exactly. Uh, that was a good one. That was a good one. Awesome, awesome. Nice job. So that was our great things are happening here segment brought to you by Tobacco USA. Okay, Bear, uh, we got a couple of questions for you. Um, I got mine. Mine. I have one. You have a couple for me. So um I want to see if you can get this one. So we're going back to 1978 on this date. So it's late late November. Um and the question is there is a baseball manager, okay? And this baseball manager uh was fired was fired on on this day um in 19 uh 778 now i made a mistake there it was actually the 27th right cuz when i put the question i i forgot it's the 20 so if we were doing mine on the 27th okay just so you're aware so i don't want to confuse you uh i kind of screwed that one up but i still think i'm going to still go with my question anyway okay um so this manager was fired and i thought this was really a significant one because here's here's a, this guy was fired uh, averaging ninety six wins per season, he won five division titles, four pennants, and two World Series. Who was the manager? Uh, uh
1: 78. 1978. seventy eight in nineteen seventy
0: eight. Nineteen seventy
1: eight. Give me those accolades again. The wins. Okay. The wins, pro- the wins probably won't help me.
0: Okay. Ninety six wins per season. Five division titles. Four pennants.
1: In two World Series. Four pennants two four World penance. Series. Yep. Okay, Earl Weaver didn't win four. Um, I don't think. Did he win four? Fuck. He did not win four. He didn't win four, so it wasn't Earl Weaver.
0: I don't think he won That's, four. So I don't so think he four won four. Two,
1: so it's four and two?
0: He won, yeah, he won and, he won. and you're not...
1: Okay, and just to be clear, you're not specifying the decade that they were won,
0: right? You want... I can. I can, if you want.
1: Well I think that only leaves one person. Was it 78 that he was fired?
0: He was fired in 78 on on November 27th. And this guy except for one season never fin- he had one season in fifth place was first or second every year. It was one of the most egregious firings in probably baseball history.
1: We're not talking about Terry Francona, but that's fine. Um uh
0: and, and I know the story why he got fired. It was no. This is 1978. We're going back. To oh,
1: it. I know, I know. But you said most egregious in baseball history. Too, I right? think this is
0: worth. I think this is worth some Frankona when I tell you what happened.
1: It's got to be Sparky, man. It's got to be Sparky it, Anderson. It, right? it
0: was Sparky Anderson, and he was fired. Oh, very, and he was fired very late. Okay, so November 27th, baseball managers get fired, but but he got into he got into a power struggle with Dick Wagner, who was the GM, and uh Dick Wagner goes to him. I want you to make coaching changes. Sparky tells him go pound sand and uh they fired him. They fired him. They bring in John McNamara, um who you're familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, which who they who did lead them to a, a world championship. Sparky takes a few months off and uh he gets a call on June 14th, 1979 by the Tigers. Right. Um to manage that team. See, and, I
1: couldn't remember when he started with the Tigers. I couldn't so, remember if it, it was came in mid
0: He came in mid-season with the Tigers.
1: Okay. I, I couldn't remember if it was eighty or no. I guess eighty was his first full season then. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now he had a great run with Detroit, but not the kind of run you would think that he had with the Reds. He he did win a World Series in eighty four, but he only went to the playoffs one other time, and that was in eighty seven, where he lost that ALCS series to the uh to the uh Minnesota Twins. Mm-hmm. Um so like I said, he had he didn't quite have the he had a five sixteen winning percentage with Detroit, um, but you know again what he had with the Reds was five ninety six. I, I still think it's one of the, the the nuts, one of the craziest firings ever. Um, because he like said he had he was ninety two and sixty nine in seventy eight. He finished second to the Dodgers that year. Uh, had a very how, good year.
1: How many more championships do the Reds win if Sparky stays at the helm? I
0: think I I think the Reds probably would have hit some aging things. But the question I have is, would Pete Rose have left for the Philly? Well, he, I think Phil, he was going to for the Phillies anyway. You know, the, the Reds had that one kind of um, in '81. They had that season. They had a, they had that one season where they didn't go to the playoffs because of the split season. They had the best record in baseball, didn't go to the playoffs.
1: Mm. Interesting,
0: yeah. By the way, I didn't read our sponsor segment for this, so I just want to read quick. So, this is our Espinosa this day in sports history, brought to you by Espinoza Cigars, makers of award winning cigars such as Espinoza 601 and Knuckle Sandwich. Smoke Espinosa, smoke Espinoza every day. We're a little off tonight, so I apologize on that. So, I want to make sure we get our sponsor in with like that. But yeah, that was a uh, Sparky gets Sparky gets canned. Uh, I'm sure uh, I'm curious on Miguel's thoughts on that one. I've never asked him about that. You know, Sparky getting fired, but I'm sure that's going to be a question for a baseball show coming up um, on that.
1: Yeah, we should bring it back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. But, uh, but yeah, you got a couple for me. Mm-hmm, I do. <laughs>
1: So the first question, uh, I have three actually. So the first question is in 1895. <laughs> 1895, America's first of this type of competition took place. 1895.
0: America's first competition took place
1: in this event. What kind of competition was it? Basketball? No. No.
0: Eighteen first of this type of competition. American football. They were playing that beforehand, though. Yeah, they were. They were playing it beforehand. It was not American football. First of this type of competition. So it's got to be something, it's got to be something like winter sport, winter related, fall, fall winter sport related. It's not hockey. No. It's not hockey. Am I I, I warm or getting colder? What am I doing?
1: Uh, (laughs) You got colder with hockey. Yeah, I figured that. It's something you really love. Oh, oh, boxing. No, no. Well, it's not boxing before 1895.
0: Yeah, that's right. Bare Knuckles was before that. It's all in it. It's not Tour de France because Tour de France was 1903.
1: You're getting warmer, though.
0: But was it someone competing in cycling?
1: No, but you're closer with cycling than you are with those other organized sports.
0: But it's not cycling. No. Uh auto racing. Correct. Lamar?
1: Uh, no, America's first auto race. This is America's first auto okay, race. okay. Or, okay. Yeah, it was organized by the Chicago Times Herald, a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was a race from Chicago to Evanston. So Chicago, Illinois to Evanston, Illinois, and back. Six cars competed, 55 total miles. A man named Frank uh Frank Juria. Try to say that. Try to spell that name. Uh, Durya, D U R Y E A, Durya. One with an average speed coupe. This is pulse pounding shit right here, okay? With an average speed of seven miles an hour.
0: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
1: That's some pulse pounding shit right there, man. You could have got the Flintstone. Were, you got
0: a you got a Fred Flintstone car and gotten faster than that.
1: Could <laughs> you could have walked? You could have walked yeah. fucking faster, yeah. man. Are you yeah. kidding me? Almost run, definitely run faster. Seven miles an hour, yeah. average speed.
0: Wow, wow, that's amazing.
1: All right, all right, all right. You ready for the next one? Yeah. All right. So, 1938, same date. This day in history. This TCU great won the fourth Heisman Trophy ever in
0: 1938.
1: Uh, Davey O'Brien. Davey O'Brien,
0: baby. Yep. Yep.
1: Him and Sammy Baugh, slinging Sammy Baugh and Davey O'Brien. I, it was one of course. the two.
0: I knew it was one of the two. Um, I just wasn't sure if it was O'Brien or not. Yeah. That year.
1: Good call, man. Good call. Yep. Good call. Yeah. yeah. All right. You were warm earlier. Okay, on this one, 1939, the following year on September, on November 28th, which, by the way, today's my brother's birthday.
0: Wow. Happy birthday.
1: Shout out to my brother. Happy birthday, Sean. Love you, brother. Um, 1939, uh, November 28th, 1939. This iconic founder of a sport died. 1939.
0: I want to go Naismith, James Naismith, based on what you just said to me. I'm going to Bingo. throw a get. You got it. All yeah, right. Dr. James Naismith. Yeah, wow. all right.
1: This day. Oh, yeah. hey,
0: Basketball. I got- nice. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah, I wasn't 100%. I wouldn't have probably, if you didn't say I was warm earlier on, then I probably wouldn't have got it. Um, I didn't realize it was 1939 when he died. I thought he lived longer than that, but no, that's a, that's a good one. That was a good one.
1: There you go.
0: Nice, nice. Uh. He died. I look, I just looked him up here. He lived quite a life. He lived to seventy-eight years old. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, wow, wow, a good. That was a good one. That was a good one. So, yeah, that was our Espinosa this day in sports history segment. Uh, good, good one, Bear. All right. So, um, what I want to do is, uh, we'll do one more. We'll do a sponsor. I have a couple of things I want to do to wrap up. Uh, I just want to do a little, little. Wrap up on the interview, and then I have one question for you tonight, there or one topic tonight. That's I don't think it's a long topic, so I think we'll get you out of the everyone out of a decent hour. All right, so I want to mention, um, first of all, um, our friends at Michael's Tobacco. With just over a decade of ownership, Michael's Tobacco has become the premier tobacconist for the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area and cigar patrons the world over. With two convenient locations in U.S., Texas, just a quick drive from the DFW Airport in Keller, Texas, Michael's Tobacco stands as a beacon for the Texas cigar retailers. Michael's was the very first cigar lounge in the state of Texas to add a full bar to its list of ever-growing accommodations. Proprietor Mike Peacock, who is a former IPCR and has now made Michael's a family affair by having his son Bob join the ownership force. Together, they have brought a true and blessed mainstay for their respective communities. Whether you're celebrating an anniversary, birthday, homeowner, or just a desire to rise, Michael's Tobacco will have the perfect cigar waiting with an exclusive beverage pairing and lively conversation. Visit michaelstobacco.com for more details and a calendar of upcoming events. Michael's Tobacco, not just a cigar shop, but the perfect blend of Texas hospitality and the days of yore. Um... I just want to put a little bow on the interview there uh, again. I want to give bear a lot of credit. He, he came up with this concept several months ago, actually right before the trade show uh, when we were starting to think of ideas for 150. and bear really came up with a lot of the uh, great questions tonight. Um, and uh, the one thing bear, I just took out of this interview. Uh, I just, there was, you know, when I brought up the, con- the, the topic of client brands versus, you know, factory, I, I just was blown away when I start, you know, as I'm hearing this, hearing how far this goes back, you know, going back to the Shermans and stuff. Um, And it was it, 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 it there was a lot I took out of this tonight. Um, And it was an amazing I mean, it, it was amazing discussion that we had tonight. It was just, you know, Manuel says shut, you know, what was his words like shut up, shut the Michael said, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up and I shut kind the fuck of was doing a lot of that tonight. I wanted to let these guys, they, they were all talking and. And you know look I, I wanted to say that manuel and raquel they weren't feeling 100% tonight to do the show and and they, i i gave them an out and they didn't want to take it so just to let you know on that um and and raquel i think finally was really was you know she was having a rough go so i said go and take care of yourself we'll, we'll, get, we'll we always we we more than generous with that time
1: yeah absolutely yeah um... yeah I was yeah. When you told me about them being sick, I couldn't believe that they still agreed to do this. This
0: is yeah, and, and Michael's like, "Cook, I'm here for you guys as long as you need." And uh, uh and I said, "Hey, just kind of work with me on this in case you know, give me updates." And and but yeah, uh that's an, again, these uh, this it was just bare. I mean, it was just I didn't know about the Boston connection with them. Um, it was I didn't know that Michael was involved with the 35th project with Casada. I mean, it was just a lot I learned from this interview tonight.
1: Yeah, I was, it was just, uh, it was so, uh, And the, the, you know, Michael asked the question, you know, at the end there. Like,
0: he, it, he texted me just... that question. That's why I kind of, and I didn't see it because, you know, I try not to look at my phone during the show. So, you know, it's kind of like, I don't want to be that guy on the phone in the middle of the show, but sometimes I do have to look at it. Right. And I did see it. So that's why I kind of asked that question at the end. I wanted to make sure we got that in there. He wanted me obviously to ask that question. They were all very enthusiastic to do this show. Mm-hmm. So and yep. I've never interviewed Raquel before. She's awesome. She is just awesome.
1: Yeah. I had had the opportunity to interview her briefly at a PCA, uh not this past year, but the year before.
0: Of, yeah, yeah, A couple of years ago. Uh the first one when we did interviews, it was uh, I remember that's when we all smoked uh the League of F's that day.
1: League F, yeah, yeah, you're right. That was two years ago. My apologies. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. No.
0: Because we had Manolo um, in the last few years.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah.
1: Um Man, it was, yeah, it was, it was sensational. Um,
0: it, it was, you know, and you look at Michael, he's had these two families he's worked with over the years. He's had the Shermans, where he was kind of adopted by the Shermans, and then you hear the Casadas want to adopt him, too. He's uh, <laughs> pretty good guy, you know? It, it, it's great to be loved, and, you know, but he's earned that, certainly, you know? Definitely. So I mean, great job, Bear. Thank you uh, for really like I said, coming. Like I said, uh, coming up with this concept—it's—it's—it was a great. I think we should get them back at another show for again. Yeah, no, I think there's more stories to tell. I think yeah, it's a great, a great concept. Story. I was really—I was nervous about this because I, you know, I was worried I didn't know the history right or anything like that. And I think you really kind of managed me through that, um, which was great. So I thank you for that a lot. Yeah, you did a great job with that. Bear gets all the credit for this. So.
1: Yeah, uh, we don't have to wait till two hundred to get them back. No, but Coop, I, I, I mean, just to to briefly take a moment, I appreciate the high praise. Um, but I also appreciate you. Um, this partnership has been fantastic. You know, as we reflect back on one hundred and fifty episodes, you know, just in a brief sense, you know, you've always, uh, you've, you've given me so much opportunity, and you give me like license to just come up with these crazy fucking ideas. And you know, like you said, you didn't necessarily even know how this would work or whatever. And I, and I, I really just wanted to take the opportunity and it could have bombed, you know, but it, it just did because you, the,
0: the humans, because you brought the human side to it. That's why this worked. If that's where you came in, you being the human side of the cigar, and that that worked with this interview so well tonight. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they're, 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 they're incredibly personable people. Um, you know, we talked about the, uh, we talked about Manolo's personality and, and, and the way he exudes himself. And, and Mike, you know, I had that epiphany in the middle of the fucking interview. It was just like, you know, M- Michael is, Michael is exactly that way. Yeah. A lot, you know, and yeah. I never put connected the dots until tonight, which is why yeah. it was an epiphany for me because, yeah, he's, ex- he's like that. He makes you feel, he makes you feel special. And, he does. Um, he, it's it's yeah it's just a very it's just very rare just very yeah rare.
0: you know my son who normally it's not his deal to kind of come in like that uh you know I I said it's, you know Manol asked about him yesterday when I was speaking to Manol and he he was at work and then Timmy said hey I'm I'm around on um on Tuesday night I'll I can pop in you know before you start the show and I said yeah he it, mean a lot and Timmy kind of went in and he hadn't spoken to Manol probably about four or five years so and it, it was almost like old friends with those two uh just get hitting it off so uh, yeah, I caught
1: the tail end of it. That was really cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So he was nervous. I can tell you that he was nervous because uh, he didn't know anyone else on the panel or anything like that. He did not say anything wrong. And, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, no, I was glad he did that. It was very, very cool to do that. And, you know, like I said, I meant that part about like, how these were built there for my family. Michael was very comforting to me as I was going through this stuff with my dad Um he was really so those things you just don't forget those types of things and it was a very from a personal standpoint i really appreciate it. i'm getting to know raquel a lot more better and she's just awesome so mm-hmm. yeah, she, yeah yeah she's really good she's really good at what the, what what to do so really uh, again they went above and beyond all of them went above and beyond for us tonight and, and we thank them very much that they you know they did not have to do what they did yeah um, so I was happy. It was great. I was uh, one of this will be definitely a show we'll be talking about when we reflect on seven years and two hundred for sure. Um, like I said, so this is just added to the what we've done here. So uh, and if you didn't catch Bear's show on 270, 270 was it? I was two seventy two, right? That you were on. Yeah, was it two seventy two? Yeah, hundred seventy two. To take two seventy two, uh, Bear kind of takes me through the history of all and, and of the cigar Coop shows and the uh, also Fumar shows, and we we kind of go through a lot of memories. So I'm not gonna rehash that. I'm gonna say go watch that show uh, because we we went through a lot of memories you know, on, on that. So I'm you know the rehash that I didn't think we needed to do that tonight, but I would definitely encourage you. Uh, Because we had some really good stories that came out of some of just the concepts and the shows that we've done with that. So, Bear kind of really challenged me on some of that stuff, which was good. All right. I have one last question tonight. Mm -hmm. So, I think this is a big story, okay? If you have not been following the cigar industry... This month, November of 2023, has been a release month that I have never, or a shipping month, let's say. Because we're still waiting on one of the scar to get the retails, but it shipped. I've seen two iconic releases go out this month. High-profile releases in different ways. I don't ever remember that happening in the same month, ever. In, in thirteen plus years covering the industry, I'm talking about the Perdomo thirtieth shipping mid mid uh mid uh November, and I'm talking about the Fuente Perdron Legends shipping now now ship it's, it's left the factory. Um, from a selfish standpoint, we were given the opportunity in both cases to report that story first. Uh, I happened to be at Perdomo the day um the day um they were gonna announce the uh the 30th shipping Nicholas had given me the green light so I think I didn't well I didn't get it out first they had already gotten it out on the website uh I know I was one the first media guy to have it because I had the info pretty quick and then Carlito uh gave me the story on Sunday night which shocked me Uh, I'm in the middle of watching your show, and Carlito's messaging me. Um, So to have the trust with that of us, that they were big. So Bear, here's my first question, and they're different. We can talk about the differences. Do you ever remember two releases this high profile, this kind of impactful, in the same month? I don't. I tried to. I can't remember it.
1: I mean, I remember the same year. Um, I mean, just because we were talking about earlier, and this mm-hmm. is the subject matter, uh, the Joel Sherman seventy fifth that was your number one cigar of the year in Quesada fortieth was the same year that was two. They
0: were big. They were big. Yeah, they were big. I don't think they, they were.
1: The, they weren't the same month, though.
0: Yeah. So and, and kind of along the same vibe, though. Uh, like Perdomo is a going to be a at least an ongoing release for as long as we're going to know. So the fortieth. 40th- for the most part, most of that line has been ongoing. And then Joel Sherman, a limited release, and I'd say Fuente Padron is a limited release. So you kind of have the same thing. They were pretty but bear They were pretty close. They weren't the same months. I think I think Casada 40 hit in the spring and then uh, Joel Sherman hit after the trade show, I want to say.
1: Right. Correct.
0: And, And you know, it's unfair, you know. I thought about asking the cliche question to you, which is going to be more impactful. I don't think there's a good answer to that one. Right? I just, I just don't, right? Um, because they're different. Um, but they're, but they're, but they're anticipated. I mean, these were just highly anticipated releases. Um, and I thought it brought. I think it's one of the bigger stories of the year that both of the, uh, you know, Fuente Padron. I, you know, everyone's talking about the bet with Abe. Right. The way I kind of crafted the bet with Abe is it has to arrive on the stores before December 31st. I think it will. But there's I think a few things that still have to happen with this release, like the allocation, I think, may, may delay this a little bit. Right. Um, but I'm going to guess by December 15th, those so cigars will probably be on the shelf if every if everything goes. right. But it may be closer to December 20th or something uh, before we see those. Nice. How much do you think people chase this cigar down? That Puente Padron?
1: You gotta have the money, man. What's the retail on it? Two hundred?
0: We don't know. Um, I had heard someone told me originally 62, they were way off, right? Because I think from what I'm hearing, the 40 count boxes are gonna I think some retailers are saying it's gonna cost about five thousand dollars. Um, but I, I, from what I this, from what I've learned about this, if you had to be a PCA attendee. And you had to be nominated by your rep to get it. And the other thing is, I think Fuente and Padron are both doing distribution. The other thing is, there's 750 boxes that were shipped out of the DR on Thanksgiving. But there's more to come, according to Carlito. So, um, you know, I think I think this. So, I, I don't think we're going to see the last. I don't think this is going to be a one and done thing. I think we're going to see some of these come out from time to time, is, is my guess.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too.
0: So, yeah,
1: could you think of could you think of another?
0: I was really. um, You know, I was going back, but this didn't turn out to be impactful. It was pretty close in time. Remember when. When Swisher formed Royal Gold Cigars and then Syndicato launched and a lot of people both thought they were going to be the next big thing. Yeah. And it really did not turn out to be like that at all. Um, it, it, there was nothing I could say that that turned out um even close to that. Um, because both of them kind of bombed, I think. Uh, for various oh, yeah. for that de- various different things, I think it it def- they definitely bombed on that. So I couldn't say that that was you know, um, that one I couldn't say for sure on that um but'm I'm, I'm trying to you know I I I did look a few of these up when I was kind of going through uh the um the archives um and one year uh that was pretty big but again it wasn't the same month um what was was padron Damaso launching right which was a very high profile release it turned out to be uh, I would say that was probably one of the bigger, high-profile, and then there were a few other cigars along the way that I think um, kind of you can make the argument um, okay they maybe kind of make uh kind of made um the what's the word I'm looking for, you can say kind of made their mark, but I don't think it's still as big. The two that I'm thinking of are actually uh, three: Nicarustica, uh, Norteno. From Drew State, th- those two, and then the other one was Escurio, but again, I don't think it was the same months where they shipped. Yeah, that was two thousand fifteen, sure. which was a pretty big year. Um, two thousand fourteen, and again, they didn't ship the same um, months. Uh, I believe two thousand fourteen was Padrone fiftieth, and Ashton Symmetry. But again, I wouldn't mm-hmm. put that in the same sentence as Perdomo and, and the, the Fuente Padron.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't come up with that one either. But I'm just trying to think of when it was like high. And look, I know people are say soccer and Melillo. I'm talking bigger companies here. I got to be honest. I'm talking bigger companies here. Um, I mean, because these are three big companies here that uh that came out, like I said, Big companies, these are big companies that had very high profile releases that came out. Um, for sure. Um, you know, I was trying again, it, it was very, 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 very hard to pick this for sure. Um, but yeah, Ashton Symmetry was the one that came to mind. Um, yeah, though, the uh, I mean, I guess I go back to 2012. Um, 2012, you had David of Nicaragua, which was a huge release. What else came out the year of David of Nicaragua? Um, that's what I'm kind of trying to think. Uh, again, David of the Guard came out the same year as Herrera Esteli. So, do you want to say that? Um, you know, it's again I, I can't I can't think of another one. Those those would be, you know, as far as far as those go. Um uh I you know, some of the uh Monte Cristo Epic came out in two thousand twelve too. I mean that but I don't think it's had the again, I don't think it was at the profile that we're talking about with these two cigars. I mean these two cigars I've heard the retailers have really sold through these. Put almost thirty as well. I heard the sales have been very good with it. So
1: they're great cigars, man. Yep. Can I get some around Maduro. Do
0: Fantastic. you think? Do you think you'll get a chance to smoke that cigar,
1: Puente Pedron? But they Absolutely not.
0: Will you chase it down?
1: Could afford to, even if I could, man. So probably not. I mean, I'd li- like to. I, I I'd like to. I'll keep that my answer. I'd like to. I'd right. Like, that's, um, I mean, that's a piece That's a that's a great piece of history, man. But I just don't so, see it in my cards. So
0: my answer is on this. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to smoke it or not. I'm not gonna chase it, but if it's presented to me, I'll 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 acquire it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not gonna like call hundred retailers to try to get this cigar but if it's an opportunity presented and it's a fair it's fair market price is what i'm saying so it's not like some comp like i've seen some of these fuente, some some of these fuente retails jack up the price i'm not mm-hmm. gonna i'm not gonna um i'm not gonna go out there and 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 no i'm not gonna do that but if it's a fair market price it's in front of me i'm gonna do it now i just i just acquired the uh out of blacks i got the out of blacks I think that's a historic... I think that's a very historic release, by the way. Uh, it, it is the first NFT cigar. It's the only NFT cigar that was a blend built from the ground up. Um, for me, not to smoke that cigar. Uh, and they were $50 a piece, which I thought was reasonable for that cigar, by the way. I didn't I didn't feel like I got ripped off on that cigar. By United. Uh, excuse me, Selected Tobacco. So, it's one I've, I've always wanted to see what Atomay could do with a dark wrapper. So... I'm excited about that one, Um, and I did acquire a a couple of them, and it wasn't hard. I just the retailer put it out there. I got it from two guys, obviously they want to reach. I got it, and I didn't have to chase it. I just put my order in, and it's on its way. So that's kind of what have to be have to be a fair market price to do it, and then of course the budget has to be hit to support it as well. Anything else on that, Bear? Before we wrap up, uh, one fifty here because we've gone late here.
1: No, no, sir. I'm good. All All right,
0: awesome, Bear. Again, thank you very much. Uh, most importantly, thanks to our audience. Uh, for one hundred and fifty, you guys, you guys really, uh, you really stick with us, and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, hey, I think we should announce the next special edition, which is in two weeks from today.
1: Sounds good. Let's do. All right,
0: so one fifty-one, it's the show. You've been asking us for for over a year. It is coming back, despite Aaron Lewis's feelings on it. Um, we are bringing back the unofficial, unauthorized cigar aficionado prediction show. Uh, we will have, I believe, we will have Hector Alfonso. We will definitely have John McTavish, who did who did the data collection this year. By the way, the surgeon went and did all of our data collection this year. He just went and did it. I was going to do it, and he had it done already. So thanks to John, uh, we'll have the coalition team in that night, and we will be doing that that prediction show like we've never, you know, like no one does it. No one's done it the way we've done it. And when we didn't do why we didn't do it last year is the date changed, and we didn't have the time to collect the data this year. So we were much right. we were much more prepared this year. Um, the the CA list comes out on the week of the 18th, so we're doing the show on the 12th uh bear without a doubt hardest is this the hardest year to date because i think it is it is it's this, just looking it, at some
1: of the early data that i've collected and i don't have the full list i know john does
0: yeah and we uh, may have a few things that have to be added to that but i think we've gotten about 90 percent, of 95 percent of it um we, i'm just want to check to make sure we didn't miss an issue and i think there's one more insider coming out beforehand that's why we're keeping an eye on that yeah but it's the, hard it's always hard. the curveball
1: <laughs> yeah very, it's
0: always the much. curveball um but yeah, when you see there was over 161 eligible cigars this year so far, which is yeah. unbelievably off the charts.
1: Yeah, so many. It's
0: yeah, but uh, you asked for it, and uh, it's coming back. And then we have one more yes, show to indeed. close out the year for a special edition, and it's the first time guest. It's Nicholas Padoma the Third, which I'm really pumped to get him on. I know you had a, You had one it's of the best interviews guess. this year. Yeah. So uh, yeah, great
1: guest. One of the best interviews this, this yeah, year for sure. Yeah,
0: yep. Yeah. So special editions all mapped out for the rest of the year, and and primetime is we have we have a few, uh, we have mapped out as well. So it's good. So um, yeah. So that stay tuned for that Thursday night. Jared from Christoph scheduled to be on uh primetime two eighty nine. So you you want you want to see that? It's always a fun show with Jared. So uh, and then Don't bring you my brought, on no, we're not bringing Bellity. On. Uh, I like Velody, but he's not coming on that one. And then uh, a week from Monday, jukebox one fifteen. Uh, we just recorded that earlier tonight. Uh, second chances songs that got second chances and had had a life the second time around. So, uh, that was a really fun show. We just recorded that tonight. So a lot of stuff going on on, on uh on uh coop. And then finally, finally, there, Bear, December eighth. Uh, the madness begins. Yes, the countdown. The, the countdown begins. The
1: month of ecstasy, yes, yep. sir.
0: Yep, so I know we re- it starts December 8th, we end January 8th. It's always the first Monday following New Year's, is when the coup list will always end. Uh, I don't think there'll be a lot of surprises this year, so on this list, so it just may be where things kind of fall. So,
1: yeah. um, and it is confirmed. It is confirmed. George Brightman will be returning back.
0: Oh, the best
1: on uh, my guess for the, for my top 10 reveal next year uh, for the first week in January.
0: Oh, wow. So if you haven't seen bears concept with George Brightman, it's the most, uni- we talked about this on Sunday night as well on, 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 uh, also Fumar takes two seventy two. uh, bear unveils his top 10, but last year he brought on, uh, George Brightman, the run counterpoint, and he actually sends George Z. Cigars blind, right? Blind. Blind, and this is a lot of work that Bear is doing, right? And yeah. George... The
1: Cavalier Geneva was a little obvious. I couldn't pull off the gold leaf, so he knew that one. He knew he that one, but
0: I, mean, but I mean, still. Uh, I don't know if he knew the blend. I don't know if he knew the exact blend, but, uh,
1: he, he didn't know the blend. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't he know. Anyway.
0: So yeah, really unique show. I, I have my prediction for your number one cigar already. It's locked in. So, uh, we'll see if I'm right, but I think I have your number one guest this year and I have gotten most of them. I got last yeah, year's. I got yeah. last year. Yeah. I think I got this year's. I think I got this year's. So we'll
1: see. Cool. We,
0: we keep our list a secret. I think it's a lot of fun. The way we do that. Um, and we don't tell the other person what it is So uh, And I think it's, it creates such a mystery And aura of things So stay tuned Definitely, Stay tuned and then the phone calls begin uh, You know the phone I'll start getting phone calls on December 8th Especially in number yeah. 30 Yeah that's what I will say yeah. And I rob people I'm going to get you know robbery you know, So we'll get to that So, so there a lot of stuff happening we're getting into end of year season And uh, we'll catch everybody But again Thanks to our audience getting hung in there. We do appreciate it. Bear, thank you as well. Thank you. That's going to wrap up Primetime Special Edition 150, the Annals of History for Tuesday, November 28th. Now, Wednesday, November 29th on the East Coast. We will catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody. We'll see
2: you next time.